Hello and welcome. It is I, Atticus Brixley Braxley. You may remember me from such voiceover work of Warwickshire the Musical and How Maloney Got His Groove Back, to an extent. No doubt you've probably read about it in the papers, both broadsheet and tabloid. It certainly was a headline grabber for Shamrock. And so, I'm proud to present Tales and Eastand's fitting tribute to club captain and record-breaker Ronan Finn. Fifty-five European club competition appearances, a bloody marvellous achievement by the old chap. So let the Hoops fans sing, I say. They'll chant and sing from the South Stand until their collective throats are dry. Oh, how they sing about him, their king. Super, super, Ronan Finn. Welcome to Tales of the East End, episode 215, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, it's the Prof of Carol Let's go fucking mental, we're going continental. So, it's episode 215, Prof, and of course, it's brought to you by Lester Credit. Got your bike. And of course, we have the wonderful uh, Ocean Electrical, who I think are on tour with us as well. So it'd be good to see them abroad. And Ocean Electrical and Lester Credit, check them out, Google them. And they've got our backs. So, yeah, we have Hugh Gordon's and Finn Harp reviews for the past week. It's a bit of a Belgian team here, Prof. We have Alexandra Brackman with everything you need to know about Torres' opponents, Gint. And also an interview with former Ireland stroker Dominic Foley. Spent seven years in the top flight in Belgium, Fordham at Ghent, And then down the road in Bruges in the Alcoves. So, um, brilliant, brilliant interviews. Wait, you're going to love these. You really, really are. Yeah, really- Excellent stuff from the Prof again. Yeah, we've really got the the Belgian team going uh, this week, Gareth. Fittingly so with our trip to Ghent on uh, on Wednesday. But there's only one place to start, I think, and Gareth. That is, unfortunately, our our country has been let down, yeah. embarrassed, if you will, around the world with shocking scenes from <sighs> Colshies at the Gareth Brooks concert. They lion dancing in the streets. Uh, singing all sorts of awful fucking carry on going on in and around Portland Row. And actually, this grabbed headlines, and rightly so. Well, I think um, possibly we could end up having deported Garrett Brooks as he have to finish the five <laughs> shows. We need to get this fucker out of here. Oh my god. Muldoons, Culchies, <laughs> everywhere. They invaded Dublin, man. Fuck me. Um, yes, so. Uh, we owe apologies, Prof. I think I 
Oh my god, these are both mine. I think you led me astray. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm blaming you on this one. Uh, Jan Molby, little fat fella, as I refer to him as, <laughs> who played for Liverpool. Well, Molby was a little bit before my time. I think he was kind of winding down while I was starting football. Joe's so, hammering me for this, by the way. So I'm going to give myself a bit of a pass on that one. But how the hell did I think John Dal Thomason was Swedish? I, I know he's Danish. I don't, I don't know. How, I just popped in there. It's just, <laughs> it just popped in. Just felt right. Ridiculous errors. It's easily the most offensive thing said by Robbers fans this week. So we have to put out a statement. Yeah, Jan, uh, what's Joe's got on to me quick? He said it's sacrilege. So obviously his Liverpool hero. Little fat Swedish fella. <laughs> um, Sam from the Ultras. Never thought I'd hear Perkley on the podcast. And I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that. I think it's Perkeel. Perkeel. Perkley. I'm sure some of our Scandinavian hoops let us out. I haven't heard any of their stuff before, but uh, a great one, choice, Prof. One for the Hammerby lads, wasn't it? But uh, in fact, we used it twice before. That's what I was thinking, but I'd never really listened to them anyway. But we used it for one of our live shows. We used a uh, weekend, and we were playing AIK. We played Harp Full of Pride. So that's, oh, a, that's a third that's a time. Good song. That's yeah, yeah. I know the one you're on about, Prof. <laughs> Peter Murphy is still going through our old episodes. We're getting a run of commentary. Uh, listen to Gary Shaw and Daryl Antonio Dowd. He said, brilliant, some very funny stories. That show is January 2018, prof. 2018. Only just the four and a half years to go there now. Uh, that's got to be a slog. Unless you're loving it, then I suppose it's not a slog. <laughs> it's a slog. <laughs> can you it's ma- some listening. Can you imagine, though? I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to put up with me now for that long. Yeah. Me missus can barely do it. Never mind fucking uh, anyone else. Alan Honeyman is doing the same, if you recall. We've, we've spoken that before. He's, he went back through from number one. We appreciate this, all, by the way. And uh, he confirmed that we never slated Brasder. We had we had worries and concerns and issues and all that sort of thing. Not that I needed confirmation, because I, I, I knew for a fact we never. Oh, yes. And you know what's coming up next, Prof, for uh, people who are listening? It's the assists that never happened. This Maloney fella is <laughs> hammering us over this assist thing. So we've got agents on it now, Maloney. We've got agents coming for yeah. you to prove you wrong. To be transcriptions of, of episodes, exactly yeah. what was said. Snippets. Jim Conroy, hi Carl. I'm going to try and do his voice. Hi Carl. <laughs> uh, please thank Gary P. He's right yet again. Greta Thunberg for the Boas job. I've just put a large wager with AAA. I keep on hooping. No sign of them appointing anyone. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a long drawn out process for them. They're going to try and get it right, and they're going to go for um, they're going to go for the right. I think they're going to go interim for the rest of the season with the two lads, and then they'll probably announce something at the end of it. Well, priorities first. They'll surely uh, release a new jersey in uh, commemoration <laughs> of what happened across the water there with the Royals. And uh, if you notice there, the Daily Mail, uh, Daily Mail, sorry, uh, the Royal Beekeeper actually informed. The Queen's bees of her passing. Bees? <laughs> well, hold on. Let me just repeat that, right? No, no. I, I read that the bees died. That's the way I read it. No, the way I read it was the bees are there. Her her bees are still alive. So the royal beekeeper had to do the tough task of informing the bees of her death. So he stuck his head in a fucking <laughs> beehive and said... The queen is dead, my bees. And they just carried on buzzing and making money. Fucking swarmed them, hopefully. Stung them to death. <laughs> oh my god, you know what I have to say, right? Some of the stuff, Brits are mental. Some of the stuff online is insane. 
Did you see the picture of the fella in the veteran hoodie? And he grabs a glass of wine and he's like, This is for you, my queen. I did see Drinks that. Drinks yeah. the glass, right? And then he starts crying his eyes out and he puts the fucking the salute up to the head and he's just like <laughs> Honestly, they're mental. I've never been able to relate less to human beings as I have the Brits the last they days. are it's honestly it is insane what's been going on some of the things that I've seen online like your man going outside Ibrox with the picture of of it was do you know what it was it wasn't even a picture frame he took a drawer out of his kitchen and he put a picture of her and turned it sideways he got a lot of sellotape <laughs> and he wrapped it around his arm with a black armband and he's outside Ibrox at a vigil oh um, we're not, we're not, yeah. we're not like taking the piss out of a dead woman, like she's relatives and stuff like that. But the obsession with this woman and the royals is unhealthy. And uh, I discovered I have a fellow fan of uh, my favorite stand-up comedian, Stuart Lee. There recently, Dunster revealed himself as a big fan, and one of my biggest, one of my favorite um, uh, bits from Stuart Lee was an early set in two thousand five, and he said when Princess Diana died. He uh, he was looking at all the tributes that was that were laid in in her honor, like just countless flowers and flowers and presents and gifts and whatever. And he said he was just he was gazing across all this, and he said right in the middle of it there was a life size inflatable doll of E. T. Boy, <laughs> and he goes on this whole like. 15 minute bit about how this uh, husband and wife wake up and they find the news that uh, or they hear the news that Diana has passed and she's trying to wake him up wake up Diana the princess has died get, get please get, get out of bed and he's like oh, I no. know you're going like, no stop it's Sunday I'm gonna, please get up I need you and then she tells him that, she, that the princess has died and she goes but I can get the life size and play with all VT. That's 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 the delivery thing. It's like yeah. I go out. I knew that'd come in handy. <laughs> what the fuck? I watched the Charposters one. A ten minute build up to that line, like it's brilliant. I watched the Charposters one when they stopped. Um, they stopped sponsoring Big Brother. See the one with with oh <laughs> um, the one that Dunster put into the group. Yeah, the Carphone oh, warehouse. Yeah, he goes he goes hard. He goes deep. But we'll talk about um. European group stage football was back at Tadaprof, drew it all against Egerdens on match day one. So the team with McCann and Justin, Jack and Rory Gaffney on the best on the bench. Uh, McCann and Justin coming back was great to see. McCann, big big fan of how we how we played against this one. And Justin, just a lovely lovely <coughs> player. It's nice to see us um, being able to have that. Like, do you know what I love? The fact that we've got this brand new player who can slot into the first eleven and look amazing and play and affect the game. From nowhere, obviously you came from the academy, but you know what I mean. We've mm. grown this kid, and we've actually produced a gem from the Roadstone, and now he's yeah. an option. I'm doing my starting eleven here, and he's I'm I'm teetering here. I don't know which way to go. Obviously, if you're close to the academy, you're you're probably not surprised by his development. But I know what you mean from our point of view. It feels like a new signing, and we've not had this really since Bazunu, have we? Just have a player come from the academy straight into the first team, yeah, and he's earned his place. And he's it's gonna be hard to dislodge him, but um, but it was a surprise in starting eleven. Like McCann hadn't played in my five six weeks. Yeah, we were thinking, can he really throw him in here? 
to start, Justin was a big a big call. Yeah. But he was superb. Uh, I love the way he always looks for the ball. He just ne- he doesn't seem to give it away. He doesn't seem to look like he's gonna put a foot wrong. His football IQ, I think, is through the roof. It's better than most guys you'd, you'd yeah. imagine. So I'm I'm I think I'll probably start him. We'll get to start. But it was shocking too. Like Jack and, and Rory on the bench. Um, we did sort of question last week: Is Rory kind of could he be a bit, be a bit tired? So and then you had Harps coming up on Sunday, and uh, so there was a kind of an assumption. Well, maybe. Rory's carrying a knock or something but no Brad's just came out and said afterwards it's just pure rotation and he says he's going to have to do this for the rest of the season yeah and you know what I find notes like I'm just scrolling and scribbling away here and we start 11 I can't actually I can't imagine six months ago we'd tell you that McCann was one of the first names on the team sheet mm-hmm. which he probably is for me like McCann's performance against you Gardens the other night just showed that he's well capable at this at this level. I thought he was brilliant. He was twisting and turning in our own half and turning fellas inside out. And the game ultimately changed. We'll move on. We'll talk about the game in a while. But the game did change when, when he was taken off. But, um, yes, Clarence Brassel Street was busy, Prof. Pada Browns. Uh, fuck Pada Browns, by the way. Fuck that pub. That's what I say. Fuck him. No time for that pub whatsoever. Hates Rovers, hates LOI. See that bullshit statement he put out as well. Uh, some well-behaved Swedish fans and t- start talking about obviously Rovers who who were listen whatever happened happened but he's he's just so anti fucking League of Ireland so fuck him that's what I say yeah their fans a little bit tasty prof thousand of them coming through yeah we knew they'd uh, we knew they'd be noisy in the ground in fairness they were <laughs> they were brilliant um, best since Pelk for sure I do you know what I I was only thinking of this and. Young staff was behind me, and he he made a point. He said the fans were shit. They they weren't great. They do this roly fist thing. Do you see the roly fist thing? Mm. Where we we'd kind of put our hands up and go da la 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 rovers or whatever. Our hands kind of stay rigid. Where they they do this roly fist thing. It looks good. Yeah. But I don't I don't think they like, didn't impress me at all. I didn't hear much of them. I didn't I couldn't make out any songs. Couldn't make out anything familiar. You see, I had a good vantage point. I was up in the the media wanker section, so I was kind of right across from them. A little bit better. Wasn't and it? Um, yeah, I could I could I could hear them. Not not that like they were louder than the cell sound. It's just that I proximity. I suppose yeah. I was closer. So I was kind of, I could see their little moments in unison and all of that. So no, I thought that was cool. And um, the yeah, I remember, I remember we we spoke about Pelg before. They they were brilliant. Um, the jerseys, yeah, we've had this before, haven't we? Those special jerseys with the kind of block of white. I at the thought back. they looked the biz. I thought they looked yeah. smart. I Some people were really saying cool. they looked mental, but do you know what was better uh, about it? I think the whole back was white. Yeah. So the instead of having a block, so most of it was most of it was white, and it looked a lot better. Mm. It looked very smart. I thought I loved it. Again, great for the media folk to pick out the numbers in the back of the jerseys because it, yeah. it has been tough at times with these uh, with these hoops jerseys. Um, Icelandic officials. Um, referee was okay. I thought he actually didn't book anybody until the 80th minute. He let it. He let it slide. He let a lot slide. Yeah, I was happy enough with him. Um, I thought he was a little bit off at times. Some very very peculiar 50-50 decisions given in their in their half, and I, I wasn't mad about that. But listen, the game, like you said, only a yellow mm. given in the 80th. Uh, just a bit more media. Um, Brian Kerr and Graham Gartland working version media. Uh. Garts was out. Garts, our pal, El Gartsy. Gartsarino. Gartsarino, who some people have an issue with. 
Well, our, our friend Kieran Gentleman, he uh, I think he I think he was working nights that night, so he couldn't make the games. But he was he was cashing it on Virgin Media, and he said the commentator um, was fucking brutal. The amount of times he got his Roberts players mixed up, he also had to get Garts to talk him through the triple substitution. But at least he could admit he doesn't watch the league. Who was this? Actually, I can't remember Fuck who off. it was. Are you but serious? Uh, yeah. The, we, we have to get you to see if there is stat subs or mm. sub stats in a while Have we? has there ever been seven players changed at once Jesus yeah it was nuts wasn't it that was mad <laughs> I turned around and I said jeez I wonder how this is going to change the dynamic of the game and I think staff turned around and he goes alright relax there guards will you <laughs> <laughs> you on LOI TV I think he said or something like that but it was huge with seven players going off at once. You know what it I mean? It was like those ridiculous friendlies from 15 years ago that England used to play, I think, especially. And both teams would make, like, change fucking, fucking eight, eight subs yeah, at yeah. the same time. Um, yeah, that theme song is stuck in my head for ages. It's one of those little stupid little tunes that <laughs> are meaningless, but then when it's played over and over, you just start humming to yourself. But, um, yeah, so... Some, not to do with this game actually but I just wanted to mention this James Lowe sent this on to me there's a video on YouTube of a Hong Kong vlogger more vloggers and it's based a, in Hong Kong well no he's living in Ireland but he's originally from Hong Kong and he so he's speaking in his in his native tongue so I'm Robin Profs Toffee Pops yeah, he's speaking in his native tongue but uh, the subtitles at the bottom is in English and uh, so he's there with his camera and he's walking around Tata Stadium and he's walking outside and he's pointing at stuff and he says, oh, this is, this is, look, this is the first time on Tata. It was when we beat them Dock 3-0. And uh, it's just quite funny the way he's, everything's new to him when he's talking about it. But the highlight of this for sure was he sees Hooperman. This is kind of just across... <laughs> I'm interested in this. <laughs> uh, this is outside the stadium just across from the Maldron near the traffic lights. And the subtitles goes... Mascot is here. Don't know his name. Looks like Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> grasshopper man. <laughs> Not bad show. Look, he does look like a grasshopper. Actually, I'll put the link in a couple of the the WhatsApp groups. This is uh, this is gold. Grasshopper man. <laughs> yeah, so Robert's fan took out the Harvey jerseys. Prof, there was loads of them. I think Glenn Dawn had one. Green Blood Brian had one. Um, Stefan Pearson got in touch with us, a fellow who runs a Hammerby page, and he's now our friend on Instagram. Big shout out to Stefan. Hammerby, yeah. I'm shaking hands with myself now. Hammerby, you're over. Yeah. The doc showed me one uh, the other day as well. I'd have to say, I love the crest. I love the crest. Yeah, it's nice. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and of course, a minute silence for the Rossfield victim. So, uh, condolences to anybody involved in that horrible, horrible tragedy and impeccably. Observed by both sets by of fans. Both sides, yeah. yeah, yeah. You could hear it. You could hear a pin drop, couldn't you? Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. So, um, of course, we move on to the game now with Ronan Finn, absolutely smashing the record. Fifty-four appearances. Am I right, Prof? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. He broke fifty-four. So fifty-five is it? And uh, of course, the start of the show was dedicated to Ronan and his record-breaking mm. appearances. So fifty-five European, one goal. Oh, just a solitary <laughs> goal and how many assists who cares what <laughs> I interviewed him in the programme after he scored against uh, Hibs and uh, I, I rang him up and I told him the idea of the piece I said I want to talk to you about your first goal I want to talk to you about the journey to it and uh, kind of some of the chances you've missed 
and he started going through them like Dundalk and Robbers. Oh, he could remember. And me. then, uh, and then about halfway through, he goes, "Carol, don't know, don't know if I like this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of talks like that, doesn't he? <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, no, it's okay, Ron. It'll be a good piece. Like, do you ever up, see the way he leans his head back when he talks? Yeah, like his, his voice goes up. Um, the first half, prop, I thought, I thought, like Ericsson, number seven. He was, he was excellent. Very good player. You could see he's very tidy. Everything was yeah. going through him. He was the main focal point. He was their quarterback. You could say we everything knew, went through him. We knew he'd be the main. Yeah, uh, Vil, Vilheim, I think it was number twenty three. Kind of looked. Like um, was that the left winger? Twenty three, yeah, he was there. Uh, long, was, dangly, kind of tricky winger. He was always a threat for them, yeah. wasn't he? Um, then he had the the beast of a centre forward. I like, didn't really didn't do much, did he? Though? This this whole thing, I was totally um, happy. First of all, I was happy he didn't play well, but I didn't. He just seemed like a big brute who put himself about, mm. and you know, a big battering ram of a striker. Not much to him. Now, hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite us in the return game. But I, I wasn't mad about him at all. And considering how in depth Philip O'Connor went in about him, I was thinking, okay, this fella, this fella's the one to watch out for. He wasn't for me. He, he didn't do yeah. much for me. You could, and even even his decision making, and he had a he had a chance when clearly kind of slipped and. Couldn't recover. He had a chance to just slot in his friend, his little buddy on the right hand side. That was the two. That why was, did he take? Why did he take the shot? That was just gone the half hour mark. That was a two v one situation. That was a mad decision. What was he doing? Shooting? Not to square the ball. It was a very tame shot as well. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I liked their number three. I think it was Ray Reading. Um, kind of picked out him as well. He was like starting all the attacks yeah, yeah. from the back. Um. Some yeah. some good players. I mean, um, like they, 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 you could see the style that they were trying to implement. Like they had one guy in the middle who could play ball, and then they were going to work things around him. But I thought we dealt with it very well. They actually sold a centre half to Verona in Serie A for four point five million just before these group stages. He had played every game in the qualifiers, mm. so we're still talking about different levels. Although we, it was a very even game. I think it was a game of two halves realistically um, first half they were probably a little bit better second half I thought we were brilliant I thought we were excellent made some really good chances they didn't really have much to go on in the second half they they could never have predicted their starting 11 so it was interesting how Brazzer kind of used the word tactical a lot he said tactical battle mm. so I was kind of fascinated by their manager or both their managers they must have been looking mm. at their starting 11 thinking what the hell like Burke Jack, Rory, all on the bench. Yeah, I know. How, how shocked were you when you... First, there was mm. there was a, a fake news team, or a fake team sheet that came out, I think it was. And then the real team came out. And um, I was shocked, but Ferrazoi plays for me in Europe, in all mm-hmm. fairness. Now, listen, we have to get a point out of it. We have to get 166k profit to the bank. More than for winning the league. More than for winning the league. 90 minutes. But um, um, like I said, there, I think some of their chances, again, I thought we were dead in the water when... I think it was a ball broke to the centre mid and it's in the middle of the park and just up at the 18 yard box and the hit Lions and went over I think it hit his shoulder some brilliant a brilliant brilliant block the first 10 minutes actually they were killing us mm. um, but once we saw that out it was a pretty even first half and we saw it grew into it more towards the end of the first half there was that chance um, that we mentioned it started the 2 on 1 we lost Sean Horde injury after just <sighs> 11 minutes which is a shame we're just getting all these players back and then we lose Sean the second he went down I thought um, to myself he's gone I mean you don't just collapse like that if it's an, if it's tight 
I was thinking to myself, he's 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 100% going off. I said, we're going to get ready, lads. Yeah. You know, I knew it. So Brazzer said he was quite happy with the first half, although it was kind of, it was kind of slow and I wouldn't say boring, but it was kind of a slow-paced match, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was a typical game where teams don't really know each other. They're, feel, I, they're I feeling each other out. I was engrossed, but was, it was just kind of slow. I was. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. I enjoyed that game. I thought it was mm. a good, good game of football. No, the and first half I'm talking. Yeah, about. yeah. No, no, overall in general though. And I then mean, the, the second half, Browser said it wasn't really intentional. Well, then that's true, but. We came out with a lot more intent, and then yeah. there was this flurry of chances at the start of the second half. Wow, it was brilliant. We really, really got behind the team as well. I think the Gaffney won as well. Like Jack, superb ball in. Gaffney, um, what was it? What was Jack? Wasn't it for for Gaffney? Um, no, the the what the greener was true on goal. That's the one I'm talking about. Right, he, right. He Should he have went down? Should he have stuck a leg out because the keeper didn't really commit? Now it would have been different if the keeper had it went down. But the keeper yeah. kind of stayed up, got himself back into position. If the keeper had gone down, you trail your leg and you take the yeah. penalty. Once he pushed the ball out to where he did, I thought, ah, nah, it's dead. chance is dead here. Yeah. But then it comes back to um, Gary O'Neill, I think. Keeper makes a good save. Can we just talk about Gary O'Neill's prowess outside the box? Can we give the ball to him more often and let him go up and have a few more shots? He's a great old ping on him. He's a ping on him. Like He had a good shot on goal. He obviously scored that late winner. He, he can ping one like he just doesn't get up he's our central protector in front of the middle of the park so he doesn't get up that often we can't spare him and arguably one of the best chances of the game Andy's header from this corner it's a free header although he has to he needs a big old leap to get on the end of it but doesn't quite direct it the way he wants yeah. to um, so that was three great chances in succession and then the later ones were Gaffney amazing true ball by by Jack Byrne plays him down the left and he's looking at a score he just and then, an extra foot or two and his angle was gone the angle was totally cut then yeah. and I was thinking that he was in between and it was in fairness if he tried to square it was it would have been an amazing pass and finish if he had a squared and done it but it was, he, he did everything he could and unbelievable stuff we'll really talk was. about the Harps game in a minute but I especially noticed it from the highlights the different types of passes and crosses from Gaffney they got, like he, one for one of the goals he's like he just goes I'll just do a little diag as Gareth's calls it here I'll just do a diag and then and then there's another one later on where he just puts this the flick he puts this he curls the ball in it's impossible to defend against he's got every kind of cross and pass in his locker but that push pass he has I was talking about it in the group earlier on for Lyons' goal it's like he I'm I'm like I'm if you were to see me now I'm on <laughs> I'm on my toes and I've got I'm running like Borky yeah. like Borky does but he flick pushes the ball it's the top of the toes yeah. it's the it's the it's the laces and it's very deft and he flicks it into the path of the Lions Lions mm. buries this the Finn Harps game obviously but he has this ability like even when you're talking about the other Finn Harps goal he he sold everybody out to the right hand side he thought they were he made them think that he was going to pass out to the right yeah, that yeah. diag came from nowhere he's got it everything in him absolutely no no one saw that come no brilliant stuff um, so the last to you Gordons last 20 minutes of you Gordons um, they they really came back into it like we said your man 23 was causing havoc on the left um, but as I kind of felt that they, they didn't kind of make any uh, proper dangerous goal scoring opportunities I felt there was one or two where 
it was hard mouth stuff. Yeah, I thought that was harsh. The harsh on the team itself. Um, so I thought we were a bit lucky on occasion in the last twenty minutes they could have scored. Um in the end though it probably was a fair result. We could have won could have easily won that match and apparently the players in the dressing room afterwards were really frustrated and it, they felt like they let that one get away in them. Two points lost in my opinion now. Oh, you think mm. so? I think you could easily have fucking banked three points there. But listen, we move mm. on. And um, I think we all were. We were kind of. When the final whistle went, we were happy to have gotten a point against a good team. But then there was just that sense of, well, we had a lot of chances to win that match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Six and, other, and a half thousand prop happy with that? Um, we kind of talked about the ticket and the approach last week, didn't we? So we, we won't really go over it again. No. But. There was kind of a push towards the end the last couple of days. Like the individual tickets went on sale kind of late. But as you pointed out, they're all on sale now, aren't they? The other two group stage games. It's the way it should, yeah, the way it should be. So now you now we so, will have a good core at each game now, do you know what I mean? All the bundles. Yeah. It made it made me laugh that some I won't I won't uh, name and shame, but uh someone at the club said, Ah, the Addy Tens was shit. I thought, well, we have come so far. I was like, were you here under one Pat Fenlon? Yeah, yeah. Because six and a half thousand is pretty damn good. I'm sure we got under a thousand under Pat Fenlon before. <laughs> I mean, a UCD game maybe. Um, so yeah, first ever point, in, our first ever point in a group stage. So we've already gone one better than 2011. Uh, Dundalk got four, didn't they? So that can be the target now. Uh, other other notes on the day of the game, Gary? Uh, electric atmosphere. That was brilliant. Atmosphere was brilliant. Um, certain songs were sang, and um, we could possibly talk mm. about that. Did we sing about going joint top of the group? Yeah, because it was well, nil, it was nil, we nil, are nil going again. top, going top. We are going top. <laughs> I think that's what, how the song went. Yeah. Our first European home scoreless draw since Akranis in twenty twelve. Profit the stats. Uh, what else do we have kind of post-match definitely happy with the way the game panned out like I said two points lost but very very happy with our performance and that we can actually compete at this level yeah um, three fist pumps from Brazil at the end for a draw <sighs> not sure I think we need to set sort of boundaries on this one right so now, we, we, now, now we've tonking restrictions wins only so we have to define tonks which big shout out to Khan and Gareth they uh they were talking about what merits a Tonkin, and they they spoke about us on the on the commentary. We, so we've, we've officially made it now. We've gotten the word Tonkin on the official Shamrock Rovers stream on Adelaide TV. Apparently, your stock rises after Tuesday. He's down as well. The two Rays are, are uh, celebrities. I haven't said that now. If we were to score like a last minute equaliser in Ghent, then yes, okay, three fist bumps. Mm. But I'm just I'm just saying like. Nil nil at home. I think just maybe pick and choose our, our three brother. He's He's lovely. <laughs> He's lovely. Um you Gordon's Thomas Lagerloff, um happy enough for the point. He said the performance was not that <laughs> Am I doing am I doing a Swedish accent? No. The performance is not that good. Just read the words so that people can hear the words. The result is okay. <laughs> Uh, coming away from this stadium at one point is okay Rovers are very good here and they almost never lose here at a point is an okay result we started the game okay and then it was uh, as if it got a bit easy and we got sloppy and then they are in the game first 25 minutes of the second half is a disaster I'm not taking anything from them they were creating chances they were forcing us to make bad decisions 
We were really struggling for a while and the last 20 minutes were better. He kind of is taking the piss out of us there. He's saying the only reason we played well because they were shit. Mm. Uh, he also said that Aside should have had a penalty in the final minutes and Andy Lyons tangled in the box with Harris Radnatch. Yeah, we so didn't that. mention that. Actually, I thought we might have gotten away with that one. Oh, I don't know. Um, we should have had a clear penalty but we didn't deserve anything more than we got today. Tommy Tommy. <laughs> I was trying to read that while the Swedes <laughs> do his voice prof no do his just voice. read the words there <laughs> was trying to read what the Swedes have said about the match while waiting on a delayed flight highlighted how little Swedish in my head but from what I could gather is Tommy telling us he can speak Swedish he says he has a Swedish speaking mate prof Joe uh, <laughs> Gardens had the better chances Joe Gardens were clearly better side in the first 15 minutes, but Rovers came into it after that. Rovers are lower half of the Swedish Premier Division in terms of standards from a Swedish-speaking mate of his. So that's <coughs> Tommy's translations. And same shit from their fans. You're shit and you know you are. And it's nil all, lads. Yeah, they were singing that in the first like five minutes. Were they singing that? I couldn't, hear them. I couldn't make and, it one uh, time. Speaking of singing, Gar, <sighs> fortunately, there was chanting in this game which is very very unfortunate it could be heard from the sales stand and no excuses like it's not something we want to see and we've taken criticism for it obviously but loads of Rovers fans were singing a tune of Hammerby 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 I thought it was the Bradley Ola one Tommy Kelly was trying to get started <laughs> um, the hammer, the hammer, I th- listen you know once again Fucking Jason Maloney gets so many mentions on this show, but his opinion is relevant. Um, he's a fucker for timing. Timing is big thing with him. He's on the money with this, though. He's possibly on the money, but eighty-eight minutes is no. a injury time. We were we were under pressure. I will say that. Do, but do it in injury I like time. I like the I like the rush. You know, I like the the thoughts of the the rush and the feeling that you might just fuck up, and if you do, then it's terrible. But if you don't, the success of it all it just feels unbelievable. But it was a, it was really, really provoked a reaction, and of course we fucking yeah. held the flag upside down, which pissed off a lot of Swedes. <laughs> it really wound them up, didn't it? That chance they were singing when the Saints go. Well, we pissed everyone off. In, we it? pissed off Harvey and we pissed yeah. off you, Gordons, because we held up the Harvey flag. They hated that. Then we held up the Harvey flag upside down. Harvey hated it because <laughs> you hold it upside down. It's robbed and it's stolen. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, couple. I think. Jeez, what about sixty minutes in? I could hear um, new chant, prof. I didn't hear this now, and actually, some people we spoke to in the south stand didn't hear it, which is mad. We were—I uh, don't know about that—but we were we were in the midst of it all. Now I'm not sure if it was Rovers fans or not. I'm not saying it was because the, we have all sorts going to games nowadays: Brazilians, Hungarians, all sorts. So it could have been like the south stand could have been commandeered momentarily, but the chance of Lizzie's in a box. Um, not sure what they were referring to. Uh, I was singing Lizzie is a fox. Lizzie was a fox referring to her lovely days back as a voluptuous young woman in the 60s and the 70s. I mean, if you look at the currency, like her, her face is on the currency there. And that's that's not airbrushed. Lizzie was a fox. That's what she looked like. You know, so it's, it depends on how you feel about it. Um, we have gained fans from all over the fucking world. Argentinians love us. We're gonna to have to have an Argentinian night now. We're yes, we're we're now hated in uh, many corners of the world, but loved in some parts. So it, this really, really took off. This was on Fox Sports America, Australia, ho- the biggest show in Holland. We're talking about. You it, know, it made the, the news in Nigeria. Yeah, 
why not? And you know what else? Philly Maguire, big shout out to Philly. Uh, sure Media, another Tifty's bogey. He's over in New Jersey studying, I think, some sort of sports journalism, I think it was. And they opened up his lecture in New Jersey in a college with that video. That's And crazy. they discussed it. And Philly's just looking around like, is this happening? Proud. Right <laughs> yeah. Probably chanting in the background. Yeah, yeah so um, it's nuts. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Some, uh, some of my favourite comments from this whole... Uh, ordeal was uh, imagine we were playing West Ham away this week oh my god imagine us in London yep uh, who's going to protect you over there because the police are going <laughs> to wade into you with their beloved queen uh, James Cook apparently their video has over 5 million views it has 9 million views now doesn't it yeah uh, looking forward to the prop stats on most views on a Rovers related video on next week's show this one has to be top of the pops uh, Woody says Rovers statements priorities Dead Queen More important than Dan Fulham <laughs> Do you know what as well right? I think ultimately what it comes down to if Like what the Queen has done Through the years Like didn't she give Medal of Honor, Medals of Honour To British paratroopers That gunned down Irish innocents I literally said to you off air Gar, I'm not giving my opinion from this thing So you're gonna sit on the fence Yes Prof Prof does Do you know who Prof waves He does the curtsy He does the <laughs> But that's ultimately That's what I'm saying That other people could think of They're looking at that And they're thinking This woman has Pinned badges of honour On people down the years Who have murdered an innocent and cold Innocence and cold blood So You can understand What people would would have I'm an, not an opinion sitting on, on the it. fence. I, you, I gave you my opinion to start No no we're, I, we're not We're not discussing this No I we're not found, going into it I found the reaction to all of this quite over the top and ridiculous but um, other comments Candle Vigil outside Daily Mountain tonight uh, we spoke with the bees already um, and yet they wore party hats on the bus to the Brandywell but also celebration so, of a life bro also some life. lad on Twitter said apparently the black in Bo's jersey is in honour of Queen Victoria they don't miss a beat normally it's us making up with this shit <laughs> a Bo's fan actually went on Twitter and wrote that so they're, they're a confused club. Yeah. Well, they were founded by the Brits anyway, though. Uh, Jason Maloney, fair play to the lads who had the foresight to fly into King Charles Airport next Wednesday. Uh, the statement... Um, I get why there was a statement. Like, it's the professional thing yeah, nowadays exactly. to just distance yourself from this sort of thing. I think... If it were me, I would have said nothing because I thought... We didn't. We're not going to get fined. Nothing sectarian, racist, homophobic, anything. I think said. it's one of those things that kind of you know that you say, but you don't necessarily mean. Mm. You just want to smooth things over and just it's like you know when you're kind of like sometimes you're talking to your wife and you're like, okay, well, I don't necessarily mean what I'm saying, <laughs> but I know it's going to stop the argument. I'll probably kill him. Yeah. I'll probably shoot myself in the fire. But you're just like, oh. It was said to me, well, it was grown legs, so we had to. But I thought I it had grown two full pair of legs long before then. Uh, but just the fact that the words soccer and values were used in the statement, to me, that automatically made it the worst statement in the history of the club. Yeah. Well, no matter what the rest said, just those two words. Whose fingerprints are on that one, prof? And quite a mad 
week then there was talk of hosting Champions League games in Dublin there was talk of the our brand new World Cup game getting called <laughs> off the country went into turmoil we caused the Premier League to get shut down a United Ireland is now off the table because of Rovers uh, <laughs> we're never going to be hip towards two counties because <laughs> of us oh if do yourself a favour, do or don't go on the forty two dot e comment section. The absolute cesspit. Oh man. Who actually but realistically, do you care for any of those people that feel that way? I mean, we're so distant in opinions and ideologies and how we feel about life. I mean, do you, do you really think that like one like my big thing is the whole of a whole process and ideologies of royalty. I just don't get it. I had to explain this to Jaden on the way home in the car. Do you know what he asked me? He says, why Why are they seen as better than us? Do you know like that? Mm. I don't think he phrased it like that. He's like, but why Why do they? Why do people love them? And what, where, what, what difference do they have to ordinary people? No, the ideal of, of ascension from birth is like, it's it's archaic. And there's literally, uh, I sense you didn't, there's literally a, a video of the current prime minister as a child saying that she finds this disgusting and then she's out fucking groveling in, in a thing but the way no, she's fin- entitled to change her mind yeah, uh, true. 30 years later but it's just quite funny that <laughs> it takes someone young to point out the obvious mm. but I did say to Jane I said there's absolutely no one that's better than you it's not like that at all it's just some silly game that the Brits like to play but I did have to mm. explain to him like that why he, he felt like royal people would be they, they're seen as top of the top of the tree and like you're somewhere nowhere near the top of the tree so I was just trying to explain to him that that's not the mm. case they're not better than you it's just I was I was baffled at one stage I was like how am I going to explain this you know what I mean he wants to know yeah um, Tommy Tarmy again he's being featured quite a lot here uh, to the tune of Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff we shut the pram down but we didn't shut the Azkaban <laughs> Tommy once again in form as usual, but um, yeah. So we're gonna move on. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna give the the last note to. I can't believe I'm saying this. Go on. The last word to Ryan Tuberty. Tubs. How old Tubs are? He said that. Tubs <laughs> are. This was his reaction to this. He said, "I see Shamrock Rovers are in the news again for an impeccably observed minute silence for the three kids in Tala." And fair play to him. Ah, Tubbs are, yeah. Because essentially, he'd be a massive West Spirit, wouldn't he? Surprised he didn't throw a spoke in there. You can only imagine Leo Varadkar. He is painting the walls, I'd imagine. He's going up the fucking walls, thinking of this. He's dying to comment on it. With his bleeding nasal tones. Yeah, we're the slime. We're the slime. Yeah, so we're going to move on, Prof. We have eight, your agent in Belgium, Prof, has plucked another one from obscurity. And this man... I think he might have been someone who have been tickling him throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Actually, uh, let me just explain what happened there, right? I think he, he might hear him say it. He he conducted this interview from inside his car. Um so considering it was a car interview it was quite professional. But what happened was his the light in his car turned off three times. And I don't know, maybe he thought it was gonna be a video interview, but he was very eager to get the light back on again. So he laughed all three times. So if you don't know that fact and you listen to this, you might think this guy's insane. Mm. But that's why he's laughing. He was, he was giving away. He's a great, <laughs> great fella. So here he is, Alexandra Brackman. So I'm joined now by Alexandra Brackman. He's a sports journalist and radio presenter from Belgium. So thanks for joining us. 
Thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, glad to talk about the Belgian club. When we have Belgian clubs in uh, European competition, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you're based in Hanu in Belgium. Uh, what part of the country is that? And have you always lived there? <laughs> so it's uh, in the French part, I'd say, a French-speaking part uh, of Belgium. But I'm based in between Hanu, it's between Liège and Namur, uh, two big cities of the country. But uh, to be fair with you, I also live in Brussels, the capital. That is <laughs> a much, much more known place. So, yeah, I'm working from there for ATL. So, um, yeah, basically, I, I think I'm 75, 75% of my time. I'm, on, I'm, I'm in Brussels, so no worries. <laughs> So let's talk about Ghent. They've been at the top flight since 1989, uh, just a one-league title in 2015. So that was obviously the high point for the club with that achievement. Would that be their biggest in their history? Uh, I think that was the biggest of their history uh, in 20, 2015. Uh, you know, they, they were at their peak level. Uh, and since then, we've seen a club uh, that was still good. That's still one of the maybe five or six best club uh, in our country, but we we we've never seen the same spirit again, uh, and that's what uh, this team lacks today. But uh, basically, it's funny because it's the same coach now. Um, Haven't even left for Anderlecht uh, in 2017, uh, if I remember well. So yeah, that was the biggest time of the history, no doubt about that. I think they they had uh, quite a good Republic run uh, in the next season too, uh, when they lost against. Uh, Genk, I, I think it's, I, I don't remember if it was in 2016 or 2017. Um, and then now they are only only playing for in Conference League. But uh, yeah, for Belgian club, it's uh, Euros, so no worries. And obviously Kevin De Bruyne, he's their most famous export. He spent seven years there and during his youth career, so he, he's still talked about a lot. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Brand. You know, when you have a guy like him uh, in a club like Kent, uh, the story behind him is is quite uh, impressive, to be fair, because uh, he was playing at Kent, uh, but then he moved to um, to Genk, etc. So it was um, it was a world class player, but this time we we didn't see it in Belgium. You know, we we weren't <laughs> we weren't used to see that. Um, so yeah, I think they've never seen uh, a better player than him in their history. Uh, they've had quite good players too. Uh, some of them uh, played as Red Devils and some of them are still in the team. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most iconic player of the history, that's for sure. Uh, the Buffaloes, as they're known, they have a fierce rivalry with Club Rouge and that's dubbed the Battle of Flanders in the media between yeah. the two culture capitalists. So that's the big rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge rivalry because, you know, with Flanders, there are... Many clubs, but Bruges and Ghent uh, have a typical history because it's a rivalry between cities more than between clubs. Uh, and uh, in Belgium, it's a small fight. You know, it's a small rivalry. Uh, we're not talking about uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, or something. Uh, but um, yeah, that's still a rivalry um, from the sports side. Sporting side, uh, Bruges is clearly in a better position than them uh, at the moment because Bruges is called in Belgium the Bayern of Belgium. Um, but Ghent is Ghent is is going into the right direction. So yeah, the rivalry is still there. But you know, it will be much better, much more interesting in Belgium when both of those teams uh, will play for league title. I think that's that's when we will see it again. And looking at their performance last season, fifth place, uh, they recovered from a kind of a slow start and they won the Belgian Cup as well. 
against Anderlecht on penalties the first cup in 12 years. So was that seen as a decent season that they had? That was a good season. Um, but, you know, they in Belgium we have a playoff system uh, and uh, they were one point away from the top four, so from the what we call Champions playoff. So for them it was a good result and in the same time it wasn't good enough because Gens is always supposed to be in the top uh, four, so in the, in the Champions playoff. It's a club that... Is good enough to be there, um, so they will more than that remember the title in the uh, in the Belgian Cup uh, because uh, it's a trophy. Uh, it's a better opportunity for them to play in European football because there is an European ticket for uh, for Belgium uh, Cup too. Uh, so yeah, basically that was a good season. That was not their best, but that was a good season. But I think they only won uh, around. Less than than fifty percent of the games uh, usually in, the, in this season, so that was a good one, but that was not the perfect one, I'd say. Oh, sorry, I will just launch my car again <laughs> to see the light. You know, uh, just be careful here. Yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of this season, uh, seven games in as we record uh, Saturday here. Uh, again, they're in eighth place in the first division, three wins, two draws, two defeats, so kind of mixed results. How do you think their form is looking at the moment? Um, I think it's hard to explain because, honestly, the quality in the team is, is still good. The squad is still good. They have some very good players. So we will talk about them later, I think. Um, so I think they, they still, of course, can turn it around. But at the moment, they are, you know, uh, looking for the perfect combination because the system has changed. Uh, and the coach uh, wants to see something special from players that sometimes doesn't play to the right place or something. Um, so yeah, it's just a uh, like Anderlecht. It's a team in the in the making. Uh, so they are still working on specific aspects, etc. Uh, and I think I, I probably I really think that they are good enough to to play for the top four uh, still this season. It's early. It's early in. Uh, so we will see in the next months, but right now I think it's not too, it's not good, but it's not, it's not worrying, I'd say. And the top goal scorer last year was the the Moroccan winger um, Tariq Tissoudali, if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Nineteen goals. He played in the African Cup of Nations as well. Um, what players should we watch out for in this against team? <laughs> So you, you mentioned the, the best one for me, uh, Tarek Tisudali, of course. Uh, now he's injured with a, a serious injury on the knee. Um, so yeah, he, he will probably be out for the rest of the season. So it's a huge loss for uh, for Gen because he's, uh, he's, he's just, you know, the kind of players you, you like to see when you're watching football. Uh, he's so spectacular. Uh, he can score goals. He can create. Uh, he's really quick. Technically, he's... One of the best I've seen in Belgium, honestly. So yeah, that's a, that's a, a very good player. But there are other ones, of course. Uh, the first one I want to to mention is Og. Uh, I don't know if I pronounce it well, but you know, he's on loan from uh, Frankfurt. Uh, he's a really good one, uh, good player. Sorry, a really good one, um, playing on the, the right wing or uh, in the current system of Gens as a forward, uh, and he can, you know be a winger at the same time, etc. So he's, uh, he's the kind of player you want in a team because he's uh, always thinking to the team. He's not playing for himself. He's uh, absolutely not selfish. Uh, technically, really talented. Uh, pretty young too. So yeah, it's uh, it's a very good player. I'd say two, 
of the hardest players of this team, uh, guys that we have the feeling in Belgium that they, are, they always played for, for Ghent, it's Kums and Vadis. Uh, both of them are midfielders. Both of them have played some games with Belgian Red Devils at the time. Uh, so they have a lot of experience. They are good to lead this club and to lead this team, uh, including the young players. So uh, Kums is a really good one on creativity. He's the one who's um, creating the tempo, making the good paces, etc. Uh, Adija is more a player that we, we can see uh, as a, almost as an defensive midfielder or something. Uh, and then we have the the two forwards, uh, Hugo Kuypers, a very young player coming from Malin this year. Um, that's a really, really big talent. Uh, I think he came for 4.5 million euros uh, this summer. Um, and he already scored four goals in seven games. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good player. Laurent de Poitre, uh, it's the other forward uh, with a lot of experience. He played one game with Belgian Red Devils against Andorra and scored. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Basically, the forwards are one experienced and one youngster, and I think it's a good combination. You mentioned a moment ago the manager, uh, Van Hesbrook. He's in his second spell at the club, having won the league there before. He has a reputation for playing attack and football, I believe. What's his usual sort of formation and style? So, uh, Van Hesbrook, more than a, a tactical coach, is an... Um, He's someone that is asking to the players to be, um, you know, uh, like flexible or something. Um, they have to be able to play in uh, more than one position and in more than one system. His first system is a 3-5-1-2 uh, with three defenders, uh, five midfielders with two, like, packs, I'd say, offensive packs. Um, so in a, when they don't have the ball, they are more playing in a 5-4-1. Uh, and then when they have the ball, they play in 3-5-1-2. Um, but that's the, the problem at the moment. It's that the system is not uh, understood uh, by uh, by every player. Uh, and that's why they are working on uh, right now. But uh, Van Azebrook, like you said, is, um, is a kind of coach who likes to play uh, from an offensive way. Um, he's a... He's a really, 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 really good, uh, good coach. A really smart one, uh, and he likes to have players he can count on for a long time. So um, he likes experienced players. He likes to to let young players play, but always with experienced players by their side, just to to be sure they are learning enough. Oh, I'm, I'll start the engine again for the light. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a good coach uh, with a well well known tactical system. Is he almost always played with three defenders in there in his previous teams? But like you said, he likes to to have the ball, to keep the ball, to play quickly. Uh, the goalkeeper uh, is almost a defender in his uh, in his team, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's massive. So. That's good, but right now it's not working perfectly yet. But uh, it's interesting, and it's uh, a player that likes to create a show. It's, that's, uh, I think, something we like in football. So just the one European tie so far, beaten 4 nil aggregate to uh, Ammonia Nicosia of Cyprus in the playoff round of the, the Europa League. So was that considered a big disappointment? Of course, of course. Uh, they were much better than this team, with all the respect I have for them. Um 
Honestly, it's still a mystery. Uh, and to be fair with you, uh, the first result in their conference league against Mold was still a mystery in Belgium too. Um, like I said, we just feel that the team, the players are good enough. The team is working really hard, but for the moment, they are still looking for the perfect combination. Um, but of course, uh, Gens, uh, Hens, Andrelect, Standard, basically, because now they are in a weaker uh, period. But um, they, these clubs are good enough to play in the Europa League. Um, and uh, we really found that they would have uh, played in, Europe, in the Europa League and Nicosi wasn't supposed to be a problem for them, but they deserved, uh, at the end of the two games, they deserved to, to go, so to, to, to win. So, yeah, we will see. Uh, I think it's a disappointment, but it's not a surprise based on what we've seen since the start of the season. So they'll draw in Norway in, the, in, the, in their first game. What are the fans and the media expectations for Ghent in this group? Are they looking at it as a group that they should top? And who is their, their biggest threat in their view? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I, think, I think they have to go through. Uh, if they're, uh, you know, if they, they, they fall off or fourth in this group, it will be a shame. But right now, we have no expectation because we don't really know where they are going. Um, so we don't really know. But, you know, when uh, Shamrock Rovers and, uh, and Mold are, for me, uh, the clubs we are supposed to, to fight with uh, and we are supposed to be able to win against them. Uh, but you never know in football. So <laughs> uh, you just have to be careful. But, of course, if they are not top of the group or at least uh, on the round of 32, I think, or round of 15, I don't know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, that would be a huge blow. Has expectations been raised because there's a good European pedigree there? They've topped group stages a few times in recent years. They notably knocked out Spurs uh, in 2017. So does that kind of bring more expectation? Yeah, uh, I think like you, you mentioned against Spurs or teams like that, I think when uh, when they played the run of 16 in Champions League in Belgium, it was a dream move, honestly, because uh, no one expected that. But yeah, it's it's a good preview of how good this team can be. Of course, the players are not the same. The club is still the same. The club is working on a good basis. Uh, is the one is one of the clubs that you know you see an evolution in the mentality, in the financial uh, approach, etc. So I think we we can still hope things like that. But um, right now, right now, uh, today. Uh, I think it's more realistic to play conference league, of course, uh, and then we will see what happens. But um, yeah, that's that's a club that is good enough to create surprises in Europe too. And has anything been said about Rovers by Ghent management and the Belgian media this week? What sort of game and challenge are they expecting from Rovers on Thursday? What you are expecting from Rovers? Yes. Um, uh, to be fair, in Belgium, we we have bigger clubs than uh, Gens, so we know more about their opponents than the, the Gens ones. Uh, but I think, to be fair with you, I think Shamrock Rovers has always been seen as the most um, interesting opponents in this group. Uh, because we like, in Belgium, we like the... the um, 
Irish, English, etc. Atmospheres, you know. Uh, it's the kind of atmospheres we like. It's the kind of atmospheres they want to have in their stadium. That's why they uh, built it so so quickly in 2013 too. So we don't expect anything special on the pitch. I think it will be a good game. Uh, 50% of chance to win with the the base the current form. Um, and then we will see, uh, you know, uh, from <laughs> from games, we yeah, we just hope to see something more concrete uh, than what we've seen against Mold with a uh, better spirit, with uh, a better level, more uh, more offensive game, etc. Display, but uh, about Tramrock Rovers, we just uh, we just want to see a good fight, a good t- a good team, and a good game. That's the most interesting thing. And Ghent pride themselves on their their local identity. What what's the fan culture like at the club, and what are their attendances like in general at home? So they have the the most modern uh, stadium in Belgium, the Gelanco Arena, with twenty thousand uh, seats, I think. Um, basically, the, the the Ghent fans are not the um, how how would I say that. <laughs> uh, they are not the most passionate ones, I'd say. Uh, but you know, when you're you're playing games away for you home for us, uh, it's still uh, quite of a nightmare because in the stadium uh, there is a, a huge atmosphere, and the stadium is built as an English one, so we are pretty close to the pitch uh, with a, a huge pressure from the fans, etc. So the atmosphere is quite good. For the attendance, I don't have the numbers right there, but honestly, I'd say there is. Almost always more than 50,000, 15,000. So it's basically quite good. Uh, we don't have massive stadium in Belgium, uh, only the one for the national team, but it's, uh, it's so old that uh, we, we don't even have to talk about it. Um, so yeah, you can you can imagine a good atmosphere, but with a lot of respect. Uh, much more in European competition, of course, because for... Belgian clubs, you always have this mentality, you know, that, oh, we are there. We have to be respectful with everyone because we are not the biggest club. It's something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it will be a good atmosphere. Atmosphere, And I think for your fans, it will be a good experience and a good example of how the Belgian fans are. Yeah, there's actually 1,000 of us traveling over for the game. So I'm sure they'll enjoy themselves. Um, <laughs> finally, I just uh, hope so. Yeah, finally, give us a prediction for first second third and fourth in the group and give us a score prediction for thursday's game with rovers oh uh so you want the first and the fourth that's that for one two three four. Oh, all all the all the teams um basically i'd say uh i will still say against first <laughs> that's fair but you know, we never know. Uh, and then huh, between Shamrock and Mold, it's not easy. Um, I'd say Shamrock, but more because I I think your fans will make a big difference. Uh, and I hope so, because I always like the atmospheres in these countries. Uh, and then Mold, and then the last one, I don't even remember who it is. Um, it's your garden from Sweden. Yeah, yeah, the people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about them. I knew that it was a team that I, I always had in mind. Okay, that they shouldn't be a trouble for us. Uh, but like I said, you never know. So one, 
uh, Gans, two Shamrock, three Molds, and four the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your prediction. You're sticking to it, right? Uh, yeah, and for the, the, the game between Shamrock and Gans, um, hmm, I'd say a small win from Gans, but you know, like 2-1 or 1-0, something like that. Okay, Alexander, thanks so much for your time and your insight. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thank you for your invitation. And uh, I wish every one of you a good game. That's the most important. And uh, if we can both go to the, the next leg, it would be good. <laughs> uh, what I got from him is that I like he was quite knowledgeable, but I don't think he has an in-depth knowledge of Ghent and how they play. Because there's a lot of generalizations, like they hmm. play well, they knock it about. I was thinking he knew about the players individually. I just don't think he might have watched them that often. See, the problem I mean? is the bar has been set too high now, hasn't it? It's after, after last week. It's through the roof, man. Some of the people you've had on, it's very, very hard to live up to Philip O'Connor and Philip, some of the other guys. That's the second time someone from within the club coaching staff, not necessarily the Brazzers coaching staff, but has said the expert you had on the show was bang on and actually quite helpful. Mm. Oh, good stuff. But... Uh, but then, of course, you get the misses, like the the Macedonian <laughs> fella. So we've had some... We'll hold our hands up. We've had some bad ones on as well. But um, now the good stuff by Alexandre. Alexandre. He's very, very good. Really, yeah. really interesting. Listen, uh, good to hear him talk about individual players. I love hearing about individual. Like, your man, for some reason, this fella Kuipers. Or De Poitre. Why have I heard of him, Prof? I've heard of him before. I didn't go into the rabbit hole yet, but there's mm. definitely. I think he's experienced and he played at a good level. That's unlike you. you you've normally clicked on I, every single yeah, Wikipedia I, page. I, at this yeah. stage. <laughs> no, no. I go onto the player section and I see if they have pages, and then I judge them off that. Yeah. They all have Wikipedia pages. Brilliant. Then you make score predictions based on that. Tonkin incoming. Uh, yeah. So brilliant stuff. Um, so we move on. We know the Queen died. She's gone. So Gar Brennan tweet of the week. Uh, this week has put an end to being asked if that's a Celtic jersey when you're away on your holidays. Thank fuck for that. That's that is a show. That's a great show. Isn't that brilliant? It really is because you know everybody does it, man. No, no, Rowers away from uh, the usual. So it's done. It's dusted. It's a uh, dunster spike in jersey sales to Argentina. Yes, random Argentinians telling us they love us. Hook it to the veins. Keep it coming. Falcons War and all that. Falcons War. Some lads in me decided to double down with a certain mural. This has not been claimed yet. So, you know the way when like you'd have an atrocity in the world, similar to like 9-11, someone claims mm. it. <laughs> this one hasn't been claimed yet. So um, Yeah, we've no idea who that is. We've no idea who did it. It's it's a so, cracker. Our, our detractors are obviously sticking up saying, oh, look at this, but I mean... I'm interested to know who it is, but yeah, I don't know. Quite the artist anyway, so... I was impressed with the amount of na 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 as they got in on the top. There was a lot of them. Mm. A lot of them. Laying out their philosophies pretty clearly with the symbols there, I would say. Yeah, it was pretty cool, yeah. I don't, and they love volleyball. <laughs> How did no one cop that? Like, What is wrong with people, it's man? It's universal. Like, Old school letter football. So obvious. So we move on to Finn Harps anyway. Oh yeah, uh, what else... Oh yes, no, no, that wasn't it. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. So Finn Harps five on a home a tonk, and I still don't think that's the that's the that's the that's the voice. Or that's the noise. I think it is tonk. Wait, hold on. no, it's. Uh, 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 uh. it's I, I'll, I'll have to listen back. I, 
Tonk. Yeah, that's it. You obviously have to entertain yourself now that Stephen <laughs> O'Donnell has passed away. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bertram is over in Italy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So someone will pop up. So, yeah, team. Jack and Backney, Gaffin, Cabo in the middle. He likes Cabo in the middle. Hashtag Brads are listens. And Ferruja, right wing back with Dylan. Suspended. So the build up to this, or lack of, real lack of build up, like me and people out eating their dinners and having Sunday lunches and stuff like that. And we're like, yeah, it's a game on. Um, yeah, I was in the Glenmore suite an hour beforehand, and it's like seventeen people there, and I'm like, what sort of attendance yeah. is this going to be? But uh, that's to be honest, that's not always a good gauge. Just who's in the suite or the bar? Yeah, considering um, it's kind of hard to get in at times, and the suite is yeah. essentially mm, could be better. But we'll move on. Um, but, um, in the suite, though, I should mention um, uh, met some of the usual characters in there, but uh, Bill Tarmy. I made many mentions of this from the Tommy family now. Dr. Bill. Yes, Dr. Bill. Um, we had spoken before, but we actually had not met in person. And as what often happens when I meet someone new, the first thing they do is they challenge me with, with stats. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure if he knows I'm into my stats or what, but that, that's what he did anyway. And he says, I said, I'm fairly sure we've got five European games unbeaten at home in a row. I'm fairly sure no one has ever done that before. And the back of my mind, I'm thinking, mm, I looked into this before years ago. I remember mm. Dundalk doing eight, eight in the 80s. So I said to him, no, I think it has been done before. And he was like, no, I bet you it hasn't. And uh, unfor- unfortunately, yeah, a lot has been done quite often. I think Shell's Pats have done eight as well, Dundalk. So... We need a few more. We're going for it. We're we need going for it. A few more it. now to get up there. I didn't get to this one, Prof. I can only imagine the the uproar, people giving up. But I was in A and E most weekend. Uh, she ended she ended up in A and E, right? So we're in James's, and we got out. And um, I voice noted you earlier. These things happen in trees, don't they? <laughs> so I jumped on. So she she tore muscles in her back and her chest, right? So we're in A and E all weekend. And then I'm, I'm leaving work, flying along, trying to get out. So I jump on the bike, put the earphones in. And just as I was leaving the bike shed, I put my foot on. The laces got caught. And I'm talking, I disappeared. I went flying that fast into a bush. <laughs> I, and I'm lying there. This was on your way here, this wasn't it? Is, no, this is on my way here. So I'm yeah. lying there and I'm like, what the... F- I've got mud and dirt. <laughs> spiders are all over me. And the first, the first thing I did when I got up. Did anyone record this in their phone? Who, who saw that? <laughs> um, ankle is hanging off and I got up and I'm looking around to the left. I'm like, one fella goes, you alright? Yeah. <laughs> Straight onto the bike again. So now I am on tin ice now before Belgium. I have to keep myself wrapped in cotton wool. Walk very slowly. Best wishes as well to the first lady of Gogglebox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's she's getting there. She's getting there. Her be- Do you know what? In fairness to her, the first thing she taught because it, it was we were worried it was a clot. So potentially we the doctors thought it was a blood clot at first, so we were fucking shitting ourselves. And she was like, the two, the two of us were sitting there discussing it, and I was like, listen, don't don't worry, it'll, it'll be all right. And she goes, do you reckon I can fly? <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. And I was like, yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, so we move on to the team. Jack and Gaffo back in. We had Cavo right wing back. Dylan was suspended, and. Um, the lack of build-up we spoke about already. 22 Harps fans uh, made the trip on the Sunday. The rain, it was supposed to rain all evening, but it actually stopped before kick-off, didn't it? So, 
I've spoken about this before. I don't get the rain thing at all. I don't get when you're people... Doing, you're barely going to get touched with people rain, People come man. up to me and they're like, oh, that rain will knock a thousand off the attendance. I'm like, why though? Because people see rain and they want to sit in their house. They don't want to have to get out into it for the 10 seconds it takes to get into your car. They don't want to have to drive in it and then get out again for the other 10 seconds it takes to get into the stadium. <laughs> so that half a minute of getting wet, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so they don't really want it. But crowd prediction, what do we have? Three... Was it three? Yeah, I was thinking. I was guessing two and a half, three. Um, I, I was my guess was three and a half. Yeah. And then again, are you talking t- about the actual or the prediction? No, the actual. The actual. My prediction was three and a half. I don't think it was announced, was it? Do you know what the funny thing was? I put up a tweet about Pat selling out Richmond and not being able to have a full house after it on a Sunday in a big game. And then obviously that tweet got regurgitated and sent back to me by Pats fans. And they were like, yeah. oh, what about this? Mm. I was like, it's come on, it's home to Harps. Leaving yourself open. I did, there. I let myself, I got a good yeah. punch there. Um, yeah, the sweet prof, did you go in and have some lovely Guinness? Uh, I had a Guinness, yeah, like I said, I told you my um, my Bill Tarmy story there. So that was about it. So the game, um, early goal, which was nice. Yeah, it's one of those games where, do you know what? The Tonkin was coming. I called the Tonkin beforehand. And when these games... When we got the 8-1 and the goal, Fruz scored in the 8-minute, I thought to myself, right, it's going to be one of those games. It's a stroll, training game. We're going to get the points, rack up the goal difference. I just sat there with my arms crossed and I thought, we did this earlier in the season. We went three up against Harps. I even bet on it. And you just did nothing in the second half. <laughs> I didn't score again. And I thought, oh, here we go. Gonna make four subs and the game will fizzle out again. Mm. In fairness, we did achieve the tonking, we got the five, but then. Um, yeah. Yeah, so scored nice and early with uh, Ferrugia. Ferrugia on his right foot, capitalising on um, some dodgy defending and burying it with his now, right. Good move, though. It was um, good move, yeah. Jack with the back heel and then the shot. Uh, Andy Lyons, was it? The shot. Yeah. Keeper parries it. Clever by Ferrugia. Very few, I thought he was gonna go down at first. It wasn't he, just a rebound, he had to sort of. He had to take a touch, yeah. come in, steady himself and shoot with his bad foot. So definitely a good goal. We gaff on two, uh, 26 minutes. Prof, this one was... I was debating this with my um, injured wife and she thought it was a penalty all day and initially I didn't. Yeah, so I was saying to her, I was I like, it's not a penalty. No. Like it's it's a coming together in the box. She goes, look, she's got their clobber on him. He's at the club on him, like it's it's definitely yeah. a penalty. So she got yeah, it when right. you watch it back, yeah, he clattered him. Uh, he leads with the elbow and everything. Leading with the elbow was the reason it was a penalty. Yeah. You, you can't lead like that. One hundred percent can't lead so like that. That was good enough for Greener to make a meal out yeah, as well. Yeah, was on Greener and no Didden and no Berkey on the pitch. So I thought, hang on, who's our penalty taker here? But um, I couldn't believe he took it because um, Rory went for the ball straight away. Yeah, yeah. Who 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 else was the option? Uh, Jack Jack that's what I was thinking I was like why is Jack, Jack not taking is, this Gaff is the big dog that's what I was thinking um, Rory uh, very telegraph penalty I thought keeper was always going to guess the right way yeah. but it was just strong enough in, in the corner too much power on it yeah with Lions on 41 prop this was a beautiful beautiful <clears> goal this man is going to be missed next season we're going to have to pluck another starlet from the Roadstone Academy just to replace him um, brilliant stuff once again this is the this is the ballerina twinkle toe push <laughs> pass with the laces that Gaffney has in the locker. And um, we didn't even talk about his diag earlier on for the penalty. Like, it was just a total, total mindfuck for the for the, for yeah, the players. I it loved n- it. Totally took everybody out. Brilliant ball in. But this push ballerina pass slicked into the path of 
Andy Lyons. <laughs> and it was just stroked home. Off the bar and in prof. Love seeing it. Which makes it better. We love seeing it, it, it off goal. the bar, yeah. A cracker, as we used to say back in the yeah. day. We couldn't leave Captain's Road, go in until we scored a cracker. We should mention at this stage, uh, Ollie Horgan has started complaining about the peno, which was, <laughs> what What time did you have with the, the peno there? 40. Uh, 36 minutes. Yeah. He's arguing from the word of this peno right up until the end of the first half. Like, he, he hasn't stopped. And keep in mind, he's only back from a touchline ban. What does he feel he's going to achieve? Like, they like they don't reverse them. We haven't got VAR. They don't reverse them. No, but the funniest part is, he's just back from, like, a two-month touchline ban. And here he is going mental. Imagine, imagine Ollie Horgan with VAR. Oh. Everything would be overturned. <laughs> everything. He'd argue everything down. 4-0, um, Prof Faruja again. And a lovely, lovely finish. This, from this, main, this, I love this finish because it was so obvious to kind of put it into the top left or yeah. the bottom left corner, and he just buried it in the right. Lovely stuff, and Jack Bourne with a fabulous assist, up to ten for the season. Uh, hashtag assists matter. Well, that was a surprise. That wasn't it. Um, went up on Twitter. He's actually top. Did he get uh, a couple in again? Considering how like, he's played more games than we think he has, but it just feels like he's missed half the season. He hasn't. Kind of been on 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 it the way he can be. He hasn't been yeah. amazing. Like he's nowhere near player of the year. You know what I mean? Well, um, not very good finish by Ferrugia. So he scored more goals in this game than he had in his previous Robbers career combined. <laughs> his only goal was away to Cork in twenty twenty, and uh, then he gets a brace. Um, he was lucky not to get a hat trick actually in the second half. And as someone pointed out, um, it was kind of cool the way the players embraced him. They were really happy for him. Like Gary O'Neill was first to him. They're obviously long-time teammates. And um, I thought that was really cool. And the, the, the stat everyone to know, they were asking each other, although everyone seemed to know. It was one of those, they, they, they all gave me the day off in this one. Mm. Last time we were four up at half-time. Cork. Can you, can you guess? Cork? No. Ooh. Uh, mm, Waterford? 2019. Waterford at home? Come on, hit me. 7-0 against UCD. Jack Jack danced his way in Jack was magic that day yeah, as well, yeah, day, yeah. well. <laughs> everyone seemed to know that one off the top of my head which is, which is impressive um, yeah like I said um, the we had we had this, this assist stats there um, you may have noticed a lot of stats and heat maps and such on Twitter um, in case you think that's me it's not actually it's Opta um, Opta are involved in the league now oh yes that is brilliant to the extent of like a Premier League or any top European league that is European a superb league. thing to hear man like they're like they're all in like they they're providing literally every bit of data you can think of they are fit. impressive are at the club's fingertips now oh yes and I saw I was I was I, was, I sat in on a meeting there a few weeks ago and a guy in the FEI ran through it and he explained how it works and it was like even for me it was just like it was just overload you were just there like oh my god like, stats yeah. beans everywhere <laughs> some of the stuff now I've said this before it's just I'm just being honest Some I'm just Pointless. no I'm I'm just interested in more stuff than I am others some things I'm like yeah whatever but we're making fun of the whole assist things there but when you control up a table and you can say you know Burn 10, Duffy 9, whoever 8. Mm. That's a great thing for the club to be able to just bang up. So, 
I personally don't keep track of assist stats, but thankfully I don't need to now because Opta are doing it for me. There we go. Thank you, Opta. Uh, Victor on for his debut at halftime. Slick midfielder, knocking the ball around, involved in one of the goals. Um, good to see him come on. Quite the, <clears throat> the uh, amateur photographer. I was going to say this. He has a fantastic Instagram page. It's brilliant. I, I suggest you give this a bit of a brails. Um, very good Ukrainian landscapes. Some mountains. Mountains, yeah. Um, yeah, so listen, he got his debut and good to see he's bought into the mentality. So he's um, he's on his debut and 4-1, Prof. When this went in, I was just like, oh, like come on, man. 4-1, keep uh, the clean sheet. Cracking finish, actually. Ridiculous finish, first time. What's your man's, Arrow. What's your man's name? He, he was actually hopeless in that game. And then he scores that goal. I love the <laughs> flair involved in Finn Harb's team. And most of them are absolute dirt. They have Spanish, they've got <laughs> fucking Malt, like Maltese and Montenegrins. Wasn't he, though? They're was, crap. Wasn't he absolutely dreadful Fuck. for an hour? I have to say, McWoods is good. I like McWoods. Goal. He just runs around like yeah. a head case. Yeah, he's good. He is. He's got, a bit of, he's got a bit of bite to him as well. So, And then immediately afterwards, Harps hit the bar. And you're like, what's going I on I was here? thinking, yeah, it's, a bit, it's on now. It's on. Yeah. Uh, but then we, we Jacko, 62. Getting uh, on the score sheet, so a goal and assist for Jacques Byrne. So brilliant stuff to have him back. Uh, Power and Borky coming back from injury as well. I was looking at Power, I was like, who the hell is this guy? That's because you're a cup snob. So you didn't <laughs> see him play against Bang Celtic. <laughs> and uh, uh, Borky back as well. So good to see them all getting a few minutes <clears throat> and in perfect perfect timing to get us back for the Euro, for the Conference League. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I gave Bradford a stat post-match. Uh, 25 league games unbeaten at home we've surpassed the 80s run it's now the best run since 1966 oh, Prof the stats there we go now so what are results Prof we done Doc beating and Agent Duffy on the scene in there on the muck and from what I'm hearing he was brilliant and he's a super player and unfortunately he was one of the casualties of the B team massacre that the FAI inflicted on us so um, he just wanted to play football and we couldn't stand in his way he wanted to play a good level he's a very good footballer and he went to UCD and now he's flourishing under there so listen I think Greener said something before he says go and play go and play football and then mm. you might not have to stick around you could come back um, Duffy Duffy scored an absolute tonker of a goal prof this is ridiculous he tried this 10 times again you never do it uh, it's, it's defo goal a disgusting contender. goal um, has there been a better goal scored this season? I don't. I don't think so. Last year we had Berkey from the halfway line, didn't we? Um, I'd say that's harder to execute than Berkey's goal. What's what's our best goal this season? I think. Oh God. I'd have to go back to them. Obviously, Gary Neal for what it meant against Scooby in the finish. That's got to be up there. Uh, Lions has scored a couple of crackers. That's a good. That's a good show, Prof. Um, some great team moves. I remember the, against Sligo and Gaffney and Berkey I think it was involved. we scored a lot of team goals and I'm not sure yeah. if we scored any absolute crackers there's probably someone shouting us at home now I'm <laughs> not thinking for cracker <laughs> I could have to go shoot him again um, yeah uh, so Duffy seven players in that absolute shambles of the week fucking bullshit team <coughs> of the week mixed force slash hybrid <coughs> premier division thing oh, it means nothing seriously how disrespectful is it to the force division 
to not be able to pick a starting eleven of best players of the week does that does that not annoy anybody else? Seriously, how can you mix them? Imagine mixing a championship and a Premier League one. It's Just not, pick two teams. It's not. It's not that hard. It fucking really annoys me, man. I love all the anger as well towards. I've just got. I just got a text there as well, Prof. I hear Dundalk have released O'Donnell. Now I know he's dead in the Tifties universe. I'm hearing O'Donnell has gone from Dundalk, one of the many agents of Tifties. So we'll see how that fares out now in the next couple of days when this is aired. What's going on there? Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, Academy results, Prof. The Rovers under 17s were knocked out of cup, losing 3 1 in Athlone. Unfortunately, in the 15s and the 14s, both enjoyed home wins in the league 3 0 over Harps and a Tonkin over Cove 6 0. Women's 19s won 4 0 against the Wexford late, uh, Utes ladies. Excellent result for our women's under 17 squad who beat Cork 2 0 to progress to the cup semi final. So, big, big stuff coming from the Rovers ladies again. And Lauren McCabe, the sister of former Hoop and Gary McCabe, uh, former Hoop Gary McCabe. And FA Ireland women's national captain Katie from the well, no, not from the hotbed, from Talaprof, nearly a hotbed. They scored both goals. And the men's under 15s, they did the cir- the centre circle flag wave for the Euro Gordon game. Oh, is so, that is that what I was wondering? I was wondering how you actually get involved in that as well. Yeah. And who gives us the flag thingy? Do you ever look into the logistics <laughs> of these things? Where does that come from? You're probably literally the first person to think it. in the stadium of seven thousand people. You're probably the only one standing there, like, where did they get? Did they fall? Did, did they fall that up? Or? That's what I'm thinking. Did they send yeah. it over FedEx? Or like, that's what I was. <laughs> I don't know. My mind works in stupid ways sometimes. Um, I'm thinking, where is it now? Do we keep the same one for the next game? Do we get new ones? Is it, who put, someone put it in the wash? Do you put it on sixty degrees? Do you do a cold wash? But um. So um, our group that are born in 2010 They went to Malmo in Sweden at the weekend And continued their relationship Established a decade ago When the boys played Malmo And went to see their first team in a league game Oh that's pretty cool That's that's a great experience Those lads will remember that forever Remember that Malmo link it goes back to the, We played Jesus man We played I, we played a friendly out there in 2011 Because we had this month long gap Without a competitive match I think it was between Pauk and Ruben Kazan away we had no game for a month, so we played it in Malmo. And then the following year, we, we brought them back to Tata under Stephen Kenny. And Gary Twiggs scored his only ever European goal, sort of. Yeah, is this one of those uh, relationships that Bowes might have at Union Berlin? If so, I don't think I'm interested. <laughs> we um, the Malmo I think the when I say from. relationship, I think what happened was we were sort of studying their structures. Oh uh, yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah, we were yeah. looking at their youth section. Yeah, because they produced mm. the likes of Zlatan and a couple of other really good players. Just to jump back to the the, the, the Premier Division, there we forgot to mention Dundalk were handed three points during the week because Sligo fielded a suspended player. Did we did we talk about this about whose role it is to actually look after this type of mm. decision making and, and information and how it's relayed to the force team and the football department? Did we talk it's about the that? FAI and the club secretary basically? So yeah, so. The club secretary is at fault for this, mm. but apparently they didn't have the injury list updated. So when they gave them the injury list, Adam McDonald wasn't on it. No, but that not the media list though. Possibly, that's possibly. So it's he up was to missing them. from the media list, but that doesn't matter. So they looked at that and thought, okay, that's grand. So it's up to mm. them to get the actual information right instead of obeying or li- listening mm. to some media. It's media. So list, it's quite yeah. the slip up with them, Doc, to be handed three points and then lose to UCD and then. If that's true about O'Donnell leaving, we don't know. But uh, yeah, Pats have really snuck up the table. Is that five wins in a row for them? 
but you know what the bad thing as well is they're playing they're, they haven't got a game for three weeks now so what date do we know not until the 20th possibly no maybe maybe the 30th I don't think they have a game until, but either way it's three weeks break and who have they got next they're in the dock why aren't those games just coming up ticking fast <laughs> just so we can get some sort of points taken off them yeah. but then again they could creep up the table just as quick as the other two so it's definitely going to be a tight finish prof I never took Dundalk too seriously in this title race, whereas... I did, and that that uh, that divided opinion in our WhatsApp group, didn't it? Dundalk and Derry Debate. I always felt Derry would come back into it. And I think they will hang in there. We we're, were playing them on Talon the second last game of the season. Hopefully, it's that's not a, a meaningful game. The look at the table worries me at the minute. I mean, I'd rather have points on the board and games in hand. Fair enough, we're, mm. we're, we're starting to, to motor now, but it's, I get nervous, and certain people in our in our WhatsApp group and fan base were saying the league was finished not too long ago. You can't be saying leagues are finished, but you're only talking about six, seven games points with 12 games left, people mm-hmm. were saying that. I mentioned Ruben Kazan there a moment ago, um, have you ever seen the Sweeper pod? It's not something I've listened to. It's brilliant, good, brilliant podcast yeah I, it's a podcast I mean to listen to but even their tweets are excellent like they just come up with stuff that it gives you kind of a, a scope around Europe that you wouldn't otherwise they give all the kind of lower about. leagues brilliant brilliant yeah. exposure it's brilliant they did a little thread there recently um, all the clubs who have played in the Champions League group stages who are now no longer in the top flight so it was 16 teams Blackburn was one of them and Ruben Kazan were one of them they got relegated. What? Yeah. Only recently? The last season. Yeah. Jesus. They're a massive team with massive money. Yeah. Luda Gretz beat Roma. Yeah, 2-1. That was uh, a notable result. Our Roma friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going to move on to our Glen Malore section, Prof. Um, we need, what, what's our Glen Malore insert now? What's the noise going to be? We need, we need a jingle. We, we need a jingle, yeah. I think we need, maybe, we need to think of something. If anyone, you have a Glenmalore jingle, send it in. But Glenmalore... Well, he should invent his own jingle. <laughs> send it to us. Well, yeah. So Glenmalore secured back-to-back wins. Uh, a hard-fought 2-1 win over Dunkondra AFC and Albert College last Saturday morning. So these are the both boys, Prof. And uh, the lads had a close to full strength squad for the game and a strong start in 11 took the field. Despite being away from home, Glenmalore dominated the early exchanges and we had some... Um, Took the lead with a real forwards finish from Owen Leonard. So young Owen Leonard, South Stand, stalwart, banging one in against the Bows. Therefore, <coughs> thereafter, the game had to flow to both teams creating chances. No real patterns of play developing. And a lot of the game was contested in the middle. With a trio of Shane Hanrahan, Shane McCarthy and Aaron O'Brien. Blended hard work and skill prof. Getting stuck in there. Towards the end of the half, Drum Contra pulled, pulled level with a classy finish. Bottom corner, which would have beaten two keepers. Uh, some changes for Glenmalore after the break. Saw them take their task with freshness and energy in the second half. James Wall up top chased every ball and great first touch and snapshot. Nearly yielded a brilliant goal but was denied by an excellent save. So it's it's all all hands on the pump now at this stage, Prof. You can feel it, can't you? Free flow move. Building on one-touch football from left back all the way up the pitch. Saw Ryan Hoyland play a lovely true ball for Aaron O'Brien who was taken down for a penalty and O'Brien coolly dispatched the penalty. To give Glenmalore a 2-1 lead with Drumcondra keeping the pressure on. They hit the woodwork and a one-on-one chance they were denied. But brilliant goalkeeping from John Gibbons. And cool heads and clever changes from Tommy Kelly, Chester Healy and Pat Tutty. There's no way I'm giving Pat Tutty any, any credit in this match report whatsoever. Uh, all you'd hear of him is, up the line, into the flanks. 
and press. What we won't use is actual favourite word. Yeah. As well as a superb Yeah, so that's it. The lads saw it out 2-1. Glenn Malore and fantastic stuff. So they're idle this weekend after three games in quick succession. And they had such a good win that uh, Ricky Keegan lost every one of his belongings. Every possession that he owns. <laughs> Someone put it into one of the WhatsApp groups like, lads, one of the fellas here has Ricky's jacket, his coat, his phone, his wallet, his dignity, everything. So it was well enjoyed and well done to the boys. And we'll have our Glamour section every week. So if you think of a jingle, we're going to go for it. Well, Prof, next up, it's the quiz. I'm going to try you something now here, Garrett. Oh, you t- you're t- fucking me over again, aren't it's you? It's taking you a bit of time to read these questions. So oh, I, my I, God. I decided to add... What are you... I'm l- no, no, it's good. I'm adding 15, minutes, 15 seconds to the clock here. Oh, no, so. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Just on the, on the record. Don't give, me, don't give me more. Two makes it better. Go for two. But I'm looking at the questions here. That... <laughs> See, it's gonna take you a while to read these. No, we'll go. We'll, if if we if I can't get it after my <laughs> my morph, in, well, I don't know what I morphed in the last. I don't know what week. the hell you were talking about. But we'll week. we'll give it a go again. If it doesn't work this week, we'll try something else next week. Right? You ready? Two minutes on the clock. And go. Which stadium has the largest capacity in Group F? Tallis Stadium, Glamco Arena, Tally Two Arena, Stockholm, Acker Stadium, Mold, or uh, has to be Stockholm. Correct. Yes. Two. Who scored Rob's only home game in 2011 group stages? Gary Twig, Billy Denny, Stephen Royce, Carl Shepard. Uh, at home, it was Billy Denny, Penno against Ruben Kazan. It was a free kick against Penno. Billy Denny, Penno. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Three. Rovers have played in UEFA competitions in which of these countries before? France, Holland, Belgium, Switzerland. Switzerland. No, France. Mm. Four. Which of these players has scored a European goal in his career? Sean Gannon, Neil Ferrugia, Chris McCann, Dan Cleary. This is a tricky one. <laughs> Neil Ferrugia. Cleary. UCD. No. Which former hoops keeper Oscar Janssen now plays for Swedish club Aribro, Sundsvall, North Shopping or Elfsborg Aribro? North Shopping. Oh, for fuck's sake. Six. Assistant manager Glenn Cronus spent the first six years of his career at which senior club? Exeter, Crew, Barnsley, Stevenage. Oh, Crew. Exeter. Oh, no, it was Exeter. <laughs> Seven. Who was the only Rovers player to miss a penalty to shoot with Ilves Tampere in the 2020 Alan Manis, Jack Bourne, Dylan Watts, Gary O'Neill? <gasps> oh, Dylan Watts. Jack Byrne. What? How are we getting this wrong? The Finn Harps' first ever game in Illinois football was 10 to Dublin City Cup defeat home to Rovers. How many goals did Mick Lee score that game? Ah, 3, 4, 5, 6. He scored 6. 5. 5. 9. Maxime Vouille. Uh Rovers B team player in 2014. Do you remember him? Hail from which nation? France, Luxembourg, Belgium, Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. Yes. 10 in 1984. Hoops, what's left? Hoops striker. 34 seconds. Enough time. Okay. Okay. In 1984, Hoops striker Liam Buckley left Milltown to join which Belgian club? Warrigham, Mechelen, Ghent, Shalawa. It's Warrigham. Correct. Yes. You got the last two there. Maxime Vouille. Remember him? Four out of ten you got in there. I feel like you should have got more. I should have, yeah. I, I, how did, how did the, I get the Jack Bourne one? How did you get that wrong? I just you know what I thought. I looked at it and I goes, no. I was, I was on the fucking wall. That's why. I think just people maybe forgot about it at this stage. I was too busy climbing up <laughs> walls and getting fucking anti-climb paint all over me. Uh, so four. Make sure you do the quiz. Uh, so yeah, up next we have one from left field. And this is a cracker. This is one of my favourite ones from the prof in a while. It's Dominic Foley. So we're joined now by former Ireland international striker Dominic Foley, who is possibly the first Irish player I've interviewed who has absolutely no connection to Shamrock Rovers. But uh, he had a fascinating career which uh, peaked in Belgium, you, you might say, and we'll talk about that. So uh, welcome along, Dominic. Thank you. So you're certainly well-travelled, England, Fran- England, Greece, Portugal, Belgium, but it all started at Wolves. You joined them at the age of 19. 
back in 1995. What do you remember from that time? Yeah, obviously it was um, my first trip across the water, so um, or to actually on a contract. Obviously, we'd been over and back a few times in trials and stuff like that. But yeah, Wolves at the time had a very big Irish contingent there. I think at one stage there was like 13 or 14 Irish players. Um, most famously, I suppose, Robbie Keane, Keith Andrews, Glenn Crow. Um, so we'd, uh, it was like a home away from home to start with. What was the highlight at Wolves? Was it four four seasons there? Yeah, I, I spent four years there. Um, I came in under Graham Taylor. And then I had Mark McGee, and when Mark left, his assistant took over Colin Lee. So um, they were the, the main managers while I was there. You moved on to Watford. Uh, most notably, you were on the winning side on your Premier League debut at Anfield. Yeah. Um, again, that was a Graham Taylor connection. He'd left Wolves and went back to Watford. So um, I always got on well with him, and he obviously saw something in me. So uh, brought me along to Watford with him. I'd actually gone to Watford on loan for um, a couple of months while they were in the second division at the time. And they got promoted, of course. Um, he tried to bring me there permanently, but Wolves wouldn't have it. Um, then the next season, they actually won the first division and ended up in the Premier League when I was out of contract. So it was um, it just felt perfectly for me. Um, yeah. And, what a way to start it all. Um, I would think I was injured for the first two matches and that was my first game uh, back in the squad. And yeah, It could have been about 10 nil, but we won one nil. <laughs> it's a, a very memorable day. No, no, you played for nine different English clubs, uh, including loan spells. That was over a period of four years after Wolves, so there was an awful lot of moving around for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's probably not so much anymore, but at the time, the young players that were kind of in and out of squads would go to a first team, maybe in the second division or a lower division than what they were, the club they were at, and just spend a month there and maybe get three or four matches and come back to the club then again. So it was always, at the time, I remember it was just training and training and not getting any matches. Um, we had a very good squad at Wolves at the time. They'd spend a lot of money and obviously we had the likes of Don Goodman and Steve Bull and um, well, mix with Pat Linen was another international that was there at the time. So it was difficult to get into the team. So look, it was an opportunity to play first team football. Whereas that kind of um, scenario has changed now. People go for season long loans rather than month loans. So yeah, when you look at, I suppose on the CV, there's lots of um, I know I remember going to South End, I went to Queen's Park Rangers, I went to Watford, you know, all for month loans. So um, it was a good experience. I mean, I always had the theory that um, you want to regret the things you didn't do rather than the things you did. So I was up for anything and an opportunity to play. And your spell in Portugal, Braga, you didn't get as much game time as you would have liked, but you did come up against Jose Mourinho's Porto the season they won the Champions League. Yeah, um, it, it was an opportunity that came up when I was leaving Watford. Um, I went out there, I signed a two-year contract with them, but 
the sounds of Portugal and the sun and sand wasn't what it was. No, where where Braga was actually was in the north of Portugal, so it was actually even north of Porto. Um, so we got rain and we got sun and we got winters. Um, I know again it was another another good experience. Um, I look back on all these things of things that I tried and as you said there, the year I was out there was the year that they had all their new stadia built for the upcoming European Championships. Um, they were hosting them and also as you said that that was the time when Mourinho was over Porto and yeah, played against them twice that year. Um, we got to the cup semi-final against them and played. I played in the home game against them. So all good experiences and um, come up against a lot of good players there as well. So after a decade abroad, you came home to sign for Bowes. It was Stephen Kenny who actually signed you, but you never actually played under him. Oh, that was a, a funny one. When we left, um, well, it was, I just wasn't happy in Portugal and, Things were going well in the League of Ireland at the time, and I was just about to get married as well. So we thought, okay, we'll come home, get based again for a while, and just see what happens from there. So yeah, it was Stephen Kenny was in charge at the time. I think if I remember, I came in, joined the club on a Monday. Let's say they played a European match on the Wednesday, so not, I didn't actually, or maybe it was the Tuesday night. I didn't get to meet up with the squad or anything because they were playing that match. I went to watch the match and he got sacked the next morning. So I never actually met him or trained with him. It was a strange one. And obviously, Gareth Farley came in after that, um, which led on to the story of what we're talking about today again. Yeah, so it was 2005, you end up making the move. Uh, bad year for Robbers, gone into examinership and relegation. Bowls were kind of a kind of mid-table then as well, but they did have the Intertoto Cup game with uh, with Gents, so you had no idea what was coming around the corner when you would have played in that game uh, with Gents, so how did it all come about? Um, yeah, it was obviously Intertoto matches, you say. Um, we played out there in the... No, we played at home in the first leg, I think Tony Grant scored. Um, it was funny, actually, I always tell this story because Two days before our match in Dublin, uh, it was my brother's wedding. So I was the best man, of course. And, you know, doing best man speeches isn't the easiest thing ever. So you always like to have a few drinks. And, yeah. But because of the match, I actually travelled down to Cork. I was at the wedding, couldn't drink, um, travelled back up train the next morning. We played the second day after then. As it turns out, I played well in the game. The manager of Ghent at the time, George Leakins, um, obviously liked what he saw. Um, and then we played the second leg over there. Uh, very unlucky to be beaten, actually. We were probably the better team on the day, but just didn't get the chances. Um, and again, just was I lucky or whatever. I don't know. I played well again in that game, and that's where the interest started. Talk about coming over there and sort of meeting the manager and the players and what was all your your first impressions of, of Ghent? I, I also have I'm people that know me know my memory is shocking but I remember one thing after playing the match that night in Ghent we were allowed to go out because we weren't travelling back till the next day so I remember walking around the city and Kevin Hunt you remember him he was the captain of Bose at the time of us I remember just turning around and saying Jesus can you imagine 
playing for this club and living in this city. And I'd say within two or three months, it had happened. So it was a kind of love at first sight with the city. And obviously, it was at a higher level than what I was playing at. So it was an opportunity that I couldn't let go. So I have the stats here. Eight years in Belgium, 48 goals in 173 appearances, which is a very decent record for, for that level. And you would have faced the, the golden generation, you could say, of the, the Jupiter League, as it's known. Uh, like you would have come up against a young Vincent company. So you came up against very good players in that league. Yeah, um, as you say, the golden age. Um, Vincent company, I suppose, was one of the most high profile. Well, he was playing at Anderlecht, but there was... Axel Witzel as well at Standard Liège. Um, Fellaini was at Standard Liège. Kevin De Bruyne was starting out at um, Genk, which is opposite, not the same as Genk, G-E-N-K. Um, Courtois was starting out there. So um, there was another guy, Stephen Defoe, that ended up at, I think he came to Burnley in the Premier League for a while. Embokani um, came to Norwich. There was lots and lots of players that went on from there and did very well. Who would you say was your best teammate, your most talented teammate you had in your spell in, in Ghent? Oh, I played with um, Brian Ruiz, who went on to play in Holland after and ended up at Fulham, playing in the Premier League. He was quite a, a talent. Um, there was a guy in Barco Sufa, played, went on from us and played with um, Anderlecht. And of course, the season he left us, we played him in the cup final and he scored the winning goal against us. <laughs> I always remember that, him for that. Um, there's lots of good players there. I played with a guy, Bernd Tace, who was, uh, played internationally for Belgium, central midfielder, played in Germany and with Genk and uh, with ourselves. And he's coaching out in Saudi Arabia, I think, at the moment. But lots of good players. So you got double digits in the 2006, 2007 and 07-08 season. So uh, also you got three goals in the in the Total Cup, including uh, some goals against Cliftonville. What were, what were European nights in Ghent like? Yeah, they're were, they were always special nights. Anytime um, I hadn't had uh, played in European matches before that. So look, it was a European match that got me in my move to Belgium. And I mean... There's no doubt it was the best time in my career out there. And when I look back on this, you always go, and I always say to young people, no, don't overfixate on going to the UK. Um, some style, some people's style will suit the UK, others don't. Belgium suited me. It was more about playing football and getting it on the ground. And the hustle and the bustle was not as much. It was physical and fast, but... It was a lot more um, football involved. Um, so, yeah, look, playing European nights are always, always good. Um, I remember when I went to Circle Bruges as well, we qualified for Europe, but I missed out through injury. I played in one or two of the games, but missed out again on some. But, yeah, it was always good to look back on those kind of things. And this must be among the highlights. You played in two Belgian Cup finals. Uh, one of them you captained again against Anderlecht in 2008. In fact, you opened the scoring after just six minutes. So uh, what do you remember from that day? 
yeah, obviously that was played in the national stadium and it's a full house, I don't know, 45, 50,000 people. So it was, um, yeah, we went one nil up. Then just before they got their first goal, we had uh, a guy playing with us, Fadiga, and he hit, he had a shot, hit the inside of the post, ran across behind the goalkeeper, missed the keeper, hit the other post and came out. And about two minutes after that, they scored and we kind of knew it was, well, you knew what was coming when Anderlecht got on top of the then because they were a top team at the time. Um, so that's what I remember about that cup final. Not as much scoring, but the one that hit the post and came back out. Because I know if that had gone in, we would have won the game. And where did you live and who did you live with in your time there? Um, when I moved over first again, um, obviously my wife was with me. She came, she came with me straight away. We were in a clubhouse that they have, so we were able to find our feet and get started and everything. Um, so we had two or three different places around Ghent as we got to know the place. Um, and then when I moved to Circle Bruges, it's, um, it was probably only about 45 or 50 minutes drive on the motorway from Ghent to Bruges, but I'm one of these guys who likes to be close to where I'm going, so we just moved up the road um, maybe about half an hour closer. Um, and lived just on the outskirts of Bruges, so it was, yeah, look, at everything about my time in Belgium, I look back with a lot of happy memories at both clubs. And did you have a nice relationship started with the locals and the fans? Did they take to you, and can you recall anything funny or memorable uh, with the fans? Um, look, I I was lucky enough, as you said, I went again, so I was there a year or two, I was made captain, so I was captain for nearly two seasons. I also captained the club in Bruges, so um, I got on well. I've had a lot of experience as well, maybe, which helped. Um, I got on with all of my teammates, never had any trouble, and got on well with the coaches. Um, obviously, when the teams are doing well, the fans are always good, you know yourself. Um, but I had a very good relationship, and I've been back there a few times since and you'd always get stopped and you know, they were always very friendly and everything was good. Everything was good. How would you describe those fans? Uh, were they loud, passionate or, or what were they like? Um, I don't like every football fan. I'm a football fan myself. I'm a big Liverpool fan. I go and watch Liverpool all over Europe. But it's... So you join in as a social event as well and you're passionate about your team like they are they like to go and have a drink and but I mean there's no hardcore fans in Ghent as in you know you you hear some European clubs that go out looking for trouble like you will have the best time or anyone traveling to Ghent there'll be no trouble you just go to whatever bar you want in the city walk out to the stadium if you want you could sit anywhere in the stadium there wouldn't be any trouble so you're in for a, a good time, hopefully. And was there anything culturally that took some getting used to as a man from Charleville, County Cork in uh, in Belgium? No, you know, I, I always said to people, the Belgians are very like ourselves. They like to go out and have a beer and they like to enjoy themselves when the time is right. Um, I mean, we always had that when we won any big games in the city. We'd go out in the city to, when players were able to go out. <laughs> Thankfully, I played in an era when you could. Um, so we'd meet up with the fans and we'd have drinks with them and obviously you'd do the opposite if you had a bad loss you wouldn't 
be putting yourself into the that position. But um, no, we never had any issues. It was all good. As you said there, you were a captain, but when the new manager came in, he barely used you at all the following season and yeah. you left when your contract expired. Why do you think that happened? Um, I, that was a coach, Michel Proudhon. Um, he was, I, I don't know, I suppose, look, he had his, he brought in a few players when he came in. He had his own players. I never really had a falling out of him. It was just, I was used a lot on the bench and coming on and bits and pieces like that. So look, no matter where you are and what team, the manager can only pick 11 players. So I, I was always of that. I gave it my all with him and it just wasn't working. So it was time to move on. Simple as that. I was probably, Ghent were on the up at the time and they were bringing in higher profile players. Um, I was probably 31 at the time, was I? I'm useless for things like this, but I was 31 or 32. So it was um, an opportunity came to go to Circle Bruges, which had a coach, um, former Anderlecht player and an up-and-coming team. And he was looking for a bit of experience to help with the, the younger team. So um, that's where I went after that and yeah, settled in there nicely. It took a bit of time, obviously. You're, I always say this, even though I was only moving 45 minutes down the road, you're meeting 30 new players, six or seven new staff. They have to get to know where you make your runs. You have to get to know where they pass the ball and kind of a thing. So it took three or four months maybe to settle in there. But after that, then it was good again. And the dressing room, were you speaking English or, or French? Or what, what, what languages were you speaking? In, in both clubs, um, the language of the club was English because we would have had Eastern European guys, Scandinavian guys, African guys. So we spoke, all the managers spoke um, in English in every dressing room I was ever in, in uh, Belgium. Um, in Ghent and Bruges, it's more the Flanders side. So it was, um, it was Dutch speaking or Flemish, Flemish Dutch. Um, whereas more Antwerp and Brussels would be French So it was, um, you got to pick up the language, but it's funny, everybody you meet in the street can speak English. And when they stop, they want to speak English to you to show that they can speak English. So it was, um, it was very easy to fit in there. Very easy to fit in there. And did you enjoy the three years in Bruges? Yeah, I did. It was, again, look, you're, you're playing in the top division in Belgium. It's like every league in uh, in Europe. You have your top four, you're probably next four, and then your bottom, whatever. So um, Circle Bruges would all have been near the bottom, but for a few years they've been coming and coming. So we had, um, I think, one of the seasons we narrowly avoided relegation, but we uh, in the next season we were kind of mid-table and got to a cup final or whatever. Like so, I know it was all it was always good. You always had your end of the games. And the, Obviously, the local derby match against Club Bruges, um, Standard Liège, Ghent, and Ghent. So there was always big games to be played. So it was, it was, it was. Um, I loved it, all of it. Yeah, as you say, Ghent were on the up. Um, they built a new. You played at the Jules Otten Stadion. It was a thirteen thousand seater, but since been demolished and replaced by a residential yeah. environment. Uh, the new one came in twenty thirteen. Then they won their league title in 2015. Did you uh, 
Have you ever been to the new stadium since? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember what the year they qualified for the Champions League, so it must have been the season after. And they qualified for the group stages of it. They had to play a few um, preliminary rounds, but I went over to one of their games. Um, they played against a German team, if I'm right. Um, and I've been back over. We still have... Uh, when we were over there, um, there was about a group of 20 Irish people working between two or three different Irish bars in the city. So we got friendly with them and we're still friendly with a lot of them and we meet up all together still every now and again. There's a lot of men in Kilkenny now actually and there's a couple of them back living in Galway. Um, one or two of them have moved on to Switzerland. But um, that bar that you mentioned to me in your email, the Foley's Irish bar, Yep. That's um that's where you're going to have your base with it, you were saying, but that's where we had our base as well <laughs> for the for the eight years I was living there. Um or seven or eight years we were out there. But it's owned by a Kilkenny guy, Pat Foley. Or Patrick as he likes to be known. <laughs> um he's a good character and um <clears throat> no, it's it, it's fairly central to the city as well. So within five or ten minutes walk you can see everything. I was reading that that stadium was the first newly built stadium in Belgium since 1974. So they're nearly as slow as yeah. Ireland in uh, constructing new, new grounds over there. But uh, at the end of your career, you retired in 2012 at the age of 36 after helping Limerick win the first division. And you played alongside one Stephen Bradley, actually. So I, I've managed to tie it back to Robert somehow. Uh, <laughs> what was he like? And uh, could you see a future coach in him? That's like... Stephen Bradley, everyone that saw him playing knew he was just class player. His technical ability and his vision and things like that, he was second to none. So, yeah, we got um, we got to know Stephen obviously, as you said, through Limerick. I think Limerick at the time were trying to bring in some higher profile players. So Stephen came down um, from Dublin. He was yeah, he was always a good reader of the game and could see things. I I. I could see that he he did play at a higher level, um, but uh, a great fella as well. Um, and obviously, he's gone on to do great things with the help of um, Stephen McPhail, who I also played with um, with, in, with the Irish teams, and another class act as well. So there, you can see how the two of them together are doing what they're doing. They're they know the game inside out. Their technical ability themselves was second to none, and they have a good temperament as well, which makes a big difference. And did you regale everyone in Limerick with your tales of uh, of Belgium? Because there can't be too many Irishmen who have done well in Belgium. No, I suppose it's um, it's unusual because um, I know there's a guy, Martin um, Cullen, has been out at Anderlecht, and he's come back now with Vincent Company back to. Um, back to Burnley, but I think before I went out there, the only other guys that had been out there, <clears throat> Manchester United had a kind of a loaning system with Antwerp. Yeah. So I think the likes of John O'Shea and a few of those guys actually played out there. Uh, at the I think Darren Gibson as well, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose I was, uh, I was unique out there for a long time. Um, again, it was something that happened and it was the best thing that happened to me in my career i loved it out there you you kind of you touched on it a bit earlier but 
you're starting to see a lot of young Irish players move to Italy now, but maybe a lot of that has more to do with Brexit. But when it comes to players in their 20s and you say it's not working out for them in the UK and they can't carve out a professional career there, do you think more Irish players should look to other leagues like Holland and Belgium to aid their development and sort of expand their horizons? For example, Jack Byrne did it years ago with the Holland. That style of football suited him down to the ground. So why do you think more Irishmen don't consider it? Uh, those sort of moves. Um, I don't know. Is it is it because like everybody who moves to the UK has an agent involved? Are the agents just specifically looking at the UK because okay, it's just across the water, it's the same language. But if you go to Holland or Germany or Belgium or maybe not so much in France, but um, it's very easy to settle in and. What I said about going to Portugal was you're still only two hours in the plane to home. You go to Belgium, you're still only an hour and a half in the plane to home. So why not give it a go? I, For me, I, I remember saying that thing to Kevin Hunt standing there going, imagine living in this city and playing football. And I just got the chance to do it. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think I've been saying it since I finished. Um, anytime I speak to anybody in football, I say, don't be hung up on the UK. I mean, I go back to it. When I went to Wolves, um, I was competing against Irish, English, Scottish, Welsh, and maybe a few Scandinavians thrown in there. Whereas a young guy going to the UK now is competing against the world. So the chances, and my friends give me a bit of grief over this, but the chances of us ever again having a Robbie Keane are probably... Very, very little. Because any young Irish guy going to the UK now is competing against the world and competing against billionaires who can buy anyone they want. So when will we see somebody playing full-time like Robbie did um, and all the guys before him, Ronnie Wheel and Ray Houghtons, playing full-time in a top four English club? I don't think we'll ever again see it. And if we do, it'll be one in a billion so why not widen our horizons and start looking elsewhere and give yourself more of a chance as well and as you said there jack Bourne, who's a out and out footballer the hustle and bustle of a championship or league one or league two will not suit him but i was in the same boat and it just happened to go for me when i landed in belgium and it suited me down to the ground and we have lots of very technical, good players that probably get lost in the hustle and bustle. Having said that, is there a history, do you think, of Ireland senior managers not calling on players outside the UK and Ireland? You mentioned Josh Cullen. He's two years at Anderlecht. He did okay. But like to yourself, you weren't able to add to your six caps and two goals that you got under Mick McCarthy. You weren't called up in your time in Belgium. Yeah, Um that's that's true. I I always look and when people ask me about my Irish caps, I say I was probably lucky to get the ones I did because there was a few um, injuries coming towards the end of a season. Um, I just happened to score against Leeds United while I think Mick McCarthy's brother was there doing a bit of scouting, and they gave me a chance at the time. It went well for me. I stayed in for a good few squads with them. 
But so I, I, I would count myself as lucky to get in that time. But when I was playing the best football in, in my career and scoring and playing the most I've ever played, I didn't manage to get back in. But look, as I said a while ago, with managers, it just might have been down to somebody not liking my style of play or having other options that they thought was more viable. So I, I don't think that if you're playing at a good level in Holland or France or Belgium or Germany or whatever, I don't think it prevents you from getting into the squad. And maybe the more of us that do it, the more um, it'll become normal. Yeah, I'd like to think Stephen Kenny is more open-minded, but I just I just get the feeling in previous regimes that they weren't because I remember in 2010, Barry Maguire scored a hat-trick against Ajax in the top flight in Holland. And Liam Brady was the assistant manager at the time. And they sent in questions to him and they said, what about Barry Maguire? And he said, sorry, I don't know who that is. And he had just scored a hat-trick in the top flight of Dutch football. I thought that was just incredible. Yeah, maybe we had a little bit of tunnel vision um, in the years gone by, but as as you say now, scouting networks and managers are more open and looking for links wherever they can get them. So I I think now the scouting network network is so good um, that I don't think anybody falls through the net anymore. So like you say, your your base was actually Foley's for the eight years in Belgium. So you know all about that pub just along the river there. Um, a thousand of us traveling over to Ghent during the week. Uh, do you think we'll enjoy our, our stay? And do you have any tips for us? Uh, you'll definitely enjoy your stay, but um, I'd say, like a lot of Irish people used to come to visit me, um, they used to have to beat them out the door to see a little bit of the city. The, the Irish bar is perfect. I know there's a hotel onto the back of the Irish bar now as well. Are you staying there or the other accommodation? I think we're in a few different hotels. Okay, around the place. Um, yeah, look, you'll be looked after there. There's no fear, um, and plenty of Irish drinks available there. And but get out and about and just have a look at the city because it's it's an absolutely amazing city. I think it came number one in the world's hidden gems going back three or four years ago. So, and um, the tips are be careful with those Belgian beers. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them can be six seven eight and nine percent before you know it you see no match they can they can hit you fairly hard so you're back in cork now what have you been up to since retirement are you enjoying retirement um it was i think i got everything i could out of my career as you said i got i kept playing until i was 36 I was struggling with my back. My fitness was still good, but I'm struggling with my back, so um, a back injury. So I just thought, right, this is it. I said, I always said I would keep going until my body told me to stop, and that was it. Um, I went and got my uh, coaching badges. I did them all up as far as and including the A license, and then just decided I wasn't going to follow it through. I just I think, and I say this to people, I had enough of, uh, for a while anyway, of being told where to be, how to be, and when to be. And that's what, okay, you have a good life when you're in the football world, but you're at somebody else's disposal, and you you miss things like funerals, weddings, christenings, 
parties, all this kind of thing. So it was nice then just to step back. Um, when I finished, I got involved with um, a few guys with sports gear. So you could have your own time when you wanted. Um, I moved on then, got into business with my brother. He's um, dealer principal of a Ford dealership down here in Charleville. Um, so that's where I've been for the last six years with him in the car business. Um, and again, it's <clears throat> you put in your work, but if there's a wedding on or if there's you need time off for the weekend or you want to go on holidays, you can just do it. <laughs> it's kind of like a normal life again. So I'm happy where I am at the moment. Um, I get involved with some local teams, obviously, and things like that, but nothing down the professional route at the moment. And who are you rooting for on Thursday? Uh, we always go for the Irish teams, of course. <laughs> um, no, it'll be a great experience again for the players. As you say, going into it's a beautiful stadium, the new stadium, um, getting to play against, you know, test yourself. This way I, I always looked at it. Test, test yourself against players at a higher level and see, can I take their place? Um and that's what you always do. I used to love playing against better players because you wanted to judge yourself and see where you actually were. So it'll be, I mean, this is what these guys train for every day. So I hope they make the most of it and just go there and enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. And as we say, you always enjoy it more when you win. That's it, Dominic. Thanks so much for telling me all about your fascinating career. Uh, thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so ringing endorsement for Foley's pub prof. We picked a good one. He said that was his base. But just going back on his career, his career is fascinating. He played seven years in the Belgium top flight. He scored like fifty odd goals for for Ghent. Like this and he was ignored. Blatantly ignored. Never called up by Brian Kerr, Steve Sandon, Trapatoni. And as I said to you uh <laughs> today, like this is the same Trapatoni who didn't call up uh Coleman for two years. Yep. And Wes Houlihan for God knows how many years. Yeah. So I'm not going to put too much stock in him. Yeah, opinion. I think so, yeah. But how Kerr and Sandon didn't call him up, I, I don't really understand that. You wouldn't know. You really wouldn't. I, I think Farmers League was mentioned before, but that's like that's a great career. And living in a fantastic city. And what he did mention is, don't stay in the pub the whole time, which is normally what we do on away trips. He says, Ghent's a fantastic city. So I've been checking it out, Prof. I'm going to head down to Gravenstein. It's a castle right in the middle of the city big huge medieval castle looks the biz so I'm going to take on Dominic Foley's advice and go and, ex- and explore the city with the kids and the missus but brilliant brilliant interview scoring a goal in the Belgian Cup final in front of 55,000 people and then going on to lose it unfortunately to Anderlecht but yeah. some of the players Mbokani Kevin De Bruyne Axel Witzel played against company company some brilliant brilliant uh, um, some players that he did come up against that's very fascinating career yeah what I've, what I've noticed uh because how, how many footballers now have I interviewed in the five years? And I'm noticing the trend where they remembered the finals that they lost. Well, in this case, Foley didn't win a final, but all he remembered was missing the chance to go 2 0 up. Yeah. These sort of things seem to stick in footballers' minds more than like, I did this or that. It's That's like, all he can think about. I when could he have won this. He's, I, I guarantee it's eating away at him. It definitely is, but how many cup finals? I think he played in three at least. Anyway, I think it was two. According to my, I think research, he played in one with Circle Bruges as well. Oh, I'm really sure, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so brilliant stuff from Dominic Foley. And if you're looking for a car down in Cork, he's your man. Yeah, Charleville County Cork. Charleville County Cork. So, uh, yes, up next we have Stan Levens and predictions. <laughs> Prof, I've been racking my brains all week about this one. And I'm looking at... So we've no horror anyway, so that actually made it a lot easier for me. So I'm going to go Manus, Grace, Cleary, Gannon. Because we have no uh, Sean Horror. He's out for 10 to 14 days, apparently. I'm going to no, go... No tell either. Well, Roger says not until next week. Right, so that's tell now. Well, he wouldn't have started for me anyway. So we've lines on the left and Finn on the right. Finn starts in Europe for me. No matter what. And I think Farouja had a great game. But I feel like this isn't the game for him. Do you know what I mean? Farouja? Yeah. I don't think it's for him. I think he's still coming back and I, I'm not starting. Do you know what? You just remind me of something. The last time Farouja had this mount, sort of momentum, the next game was AC Milan. And he earned his place, in fairness. He, he deserved a starting uh, place. Yeah. I think he might have got roasted that day, which is no shame, mm. AC Milan. But um, Tio Hernandez, I possibly. would stick with. I think Brazzer. He always does stick with Lions and Finn. Probably two of his first yeah. names in the team sheet at this stage Definitely, in European yeah. matches. Ron, Ron Finn has been an absolute legend for me. Um, one of my favorite all-time Rovers players. Um, just, just a legend in Europe, and he plays so well. And he, he gives us so much in that position. I'm going to go McCann and Gary O'Neill. I love this partnership. I love it. I love McCandle lately. I just love the way he can hold on to the ball and take the piss out of a midfielder. But Gary O'Neill, Padre Pio gets all the love from me lately. This all is, this is McCann's second group stage, don't forget. He he played here with Wigan before. Yeah, there you go. With Wigan, man, when they beat City in the Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. They got for Europe. But I just love the fact that Gary O'Neill just does so much unseen work, gets stuck in so much, and he has he just starts everything. I'd, like I can imagine that like, Grace got all the plaudits against Harps for I think having a hundred passes. Gary O'Neill's passes must be through the roof. He just he starts everything for me. He's so important, and all the the positional sense that he has, it's not appreciated enough. So underappreciated is Gary O'Neill. And I'm gonna go Jack Gaff and Ferrazai. Mm, good luck with him. Yep. Don't mind the Mickey's I've drawn there. Oh, I was drawing Mickey's. Uh... So you're leaving now. So here's my little list of people I've, I've left out: Green, Watts, Tell, Bork, Idemo. I don't think I don't think Bork is ready. I don't think he's going to start Bork. Yeah, ultimately Bork well, could probably slot in there for for Fairley. What I love about Bork is we've we've obviously been we've been winning football, winning matches. We've got to the group stages without him to the point where he's almost become the forgotten man. But I guarantee you, he will come off the bench in the next few weeks and do something spectacular, and we'll, we'll be like. To start Burke, yes, he makes things happen. He does though. this every he's, time. He's like that, he's that player, he makes it happen. He just has this era of aura of unpredictability about him mm. that he can bury one in, like Boleslav, like Ilves, like Derry. All these games where he's yeah. banged in absolute screamers, Not just screamers. But remember, he came on in Macedonia, two assists, brilliant. He, he turned the game. So, what would you change with that, prof? No, I don't really have any arguments on this one. Um, Greener. Not not one of his better games, was it, against Eurogard? Nothing seemed to stick to him. He's very isolated up there, wasn't he? So I'll be honest. Defo Gaff. One of Greener's worst games I've ever seen him play against Eurogardens. It was he was so poor. We give him all the plaudits in the world, he was so poor. Just We're two of his biggest fans, so nothing could stick to him. 
We're just being honest. It was one of his one of his uh, worst days. God, he was shy. <laughs> he was so poor. It's just nothing, nothing worked from. Just it wouldn't stick. It just stuck out like a mile. So listen, we'll keep going, Prof. What, what are you going for? Yeah, I got the same team because purely because Burke is not ready yet. Otherwise, I would be t- leaning more towards Burke instead of Justin. Although yeah. Justin has been fantastic, so yeah. very hard to drop him as well. I think they'll see a kid playing um, up top, and they'll probably give him space, which is what I want. Give him all the space, please, because he'll go on and he'll smoke you. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm actually very excited to see this team play in like a big stadium oh, on a European stage. I want to see what this team can do. I want to see Gaffney with all his experience. I want to see Justin with his fearlessness. I Jack with his quality. McCann with the space McCann. and the play, to be able to play. like. And they'll be surprised by players <sighs> yeah, like... Yeah, me tingling here, Prof. They'll be surprised like, with players like Lyon to know what he can do. Big and pitch, good stadium, thousand hoops, Prof. And they were saying on the... I think it was the RTE podcast that we're looking more defensively stable lately although there was that little shaky spell against Harps big shout out to Daniel go go gadget neck <coughs> clearly that man's neck is made of steel <laughs> the the length that he can get on a header is ridiculous go go gadget neck clearly here's something for you to do and a bit of homework for you our best mid-season signings ever Ooh, now that's a tough one. I like obviously trans- number one is Adam Manis because he came in the middle of 2018 so I think he's kind of way in front. But there's been some good ones. Dylan Watts came in. The, um, yep. He came in at the same time as Aaron Green. Uh, we had the two UCD lads in 2019. Ah, Gary O'Neill is super signed. Berkey came in middle of 2019. He came back. Uh, mid-season signings. Been some really good ones. Excellent stuff, Prof. Look back, look back at it, but that is it. I'm going to go... What am I going to go, Prof? Predictions. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one win. <laughs> two one win. <laughs> two one win. Thousand yeah. hoops roaring them on. I'm gonna go with what I kind of alluded to earlier. Last minute equaliser, one all. Oh, Razor with the hey yeah. uh, with thousand hoopers there. Um, a thousand hoopers in the pizza slice away section. It looks cool, doesn't it? I cannot wait for this, man. Honestly, I cannot wait. I really, I really like it's. It's gonna be, it's gonna be up there with White Hart Lane. It really is, which I was, oh, wasn't that. Yeah, so we sold out our location one thousand. Um, or as Ghent put it online, one thousand Irish throats will open everything in our arena on Thursday. We're not going to let our against vote, are we, Buffaloes? Together, blue and white. We make them smile green. It's Connor's Corner. It's like Connor's Corner. What the fuck is that? I um I got offended when I first read that. I was like, they trying they talking about slitting our throats. <laughs> They're gonna open us up. Um yeah, no, listen probably a thousand. A thousand of us and there's more people gonna travel without tickets. A thousand people are going to Belgium to watch Rovers play competitively. Think about that. I just can't get I, my head around it. I filled up my bus of fifty. From that shitty airport. Prof is running a bus. <laughs> Gar is going to do the stats. Uh, I have two buses going from our buses. So we'll move on to them in a minute. We'll talk about... Uh, we'll have a quick sta- a quick quote from staff. Mental that we're going to bring more to Ghent than City brought to Sevilla. So there you go. That's a, that's a crazy one. But our buses, I'm running two. 
I'm on the Wednesday morning, so I have it split into two different flights. So the two buses, are two different flights, are going to be split the same way they are. So you're going to have the first one, Ryanair, lands at five, 10 past 9. That's going to be the first bus. Everybody onto it into nails. Second one is Aer Lingus, 9.50, 9.40, land. Now we have some. We have four people from the Ryanair flight going on the Aer Lingus bus. So they're going to have to wait a little bit, about half an hour. They don't mind how, they've been informed they're going to have a point. So that'll go straight to Foley's. Down to the Opera House, Prof. Bird of Culture. So I love how you say straight to Foley's, but not quite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we're getting dropped at the Opera House, which is 300 metres away. Straight, you can't. Straight within a swift walk of Patrick Foley's. Yeah, Bird of Culture. And, yeah. It's um, literally just... You cross the bridge. Yeah. It's like... You can see it. It's three minutes. You can see it. Yeah. It's, but they can't go down. Because the one-way traffic system, they actually can't go mm. down with a massive bus. So we'll go there, and then you'll get your meal deals. You'll get your... Half price points, your meal deals. Um, yeah, is there Tifty's coasters? <laughs> we see those, yeah. Royal Rubber Room on um, Instagram. Aiden McParland made some coasters for us, and they're deadly. Tifty's Europe 2022 bag of cans on it. So check them out. Royal Rubber Rooms on Instagram. You can <coughs> um, get all your stuff um, personalized. But yeah, so we're really, really looking forward to this. So the bus straight to it, and then. Uh, yeah, into the pub, bit of grub, have some crack for the day. I mean, and wish me, wish me well, Gar, because you've been bus- running buses for a few years now. A little this, bit of stress, isn't there? I could see it at work. This is he the first time. He came over and he's like, "What the fuck is going on with the Revolut app? Why can't I accept the money?" And he's like, "No, no, no, I'm not. I'm done. I'm done." I'm like, "Relax, <laughs> relax. You'll be able to accept it." He's like, "Who invented this app?" I could, I could, I could hear him shouting across, "Who invented it?" Who would prop was bullying? Fucking nerds in Silicon Valley can't make an app properly. It, it is stupid though. Because if you don't accept the initial notification, then it's gone. They're not in your phone. People are sending me money and then it goes into the void. And you're and the void, where is the void? <laughs> they don't have somewhere to go where you can look for this notification. If you don't get notification, it's gone. It's I've been there. Absolute madness. But um, yeah, anyone listening to this, if, you've ever, if you ever remember talking to me on a Tifty's bus in Ireland or Malta or any country and you've said something to me like oh great bus prof well done or and I just have a blank look in my face I'm like yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with this that's why I had the expression this time I am responsible for 50 lives prof is up with the legs up is my bus <sighs> yeah so prof is running a bus uh, sordid decrepit bus blacked out windows over 18s yeah, so if everything goes according to plan, I do want all the plaudits. If everything doesn't go according to plan, uh, and the proctor's on the bus, so I've appointed him uh, the leader. Oh, so Lens Senior Cup uh, Lens Senior Cup Thief, so point your questions towards him. So uh, Anton goes wrong, Anto Proctor, Kenny Barrett are to blame. Yes. Please direct all insults <laughs> in that direction. A uh, couple of quick stats. This will be our 100th game in European competition. Excellent stuff, man. Bit of a milestone. We've never met a Belgian club before. Pats and Bowes have met Ghent before. You know, we know about Bowes because that's how, um, that's how Dominic Foley was signed for Ghent at that time. Uh, Pats nearly beat them uh, in, the, in the total cup as well. I think it was 2002. They were beaten on the away goals rule. And... Bit of an old school style now, not, not really of any relevance, but it's kind of cool. Paddy Moore, former 
Rovers and Ireland striker although he was with Aberdeen when he did this okay. the first ever player to score a hat-trick or sorry, to score four goals in a World Cup match not just Irish player the first player ever to score four goals in a World Cup match and it was a four-all draw against Belgium in 1934 Rough, where, the, where the fuck did you pull that from? It's a well-known one, in fairness. Is that a well-known one? No, what I mean... Would you fuck What off? I mean is, like... Like, Robert Goggins will go on about this, like, a lot, for example. There's actually a plaque somewhere. Um, it may be at his home or something. And actually says that. Paddy Moore, first player to score four goals in the, in the World Cup match. Um, yeah, well. and, like, we have their support the... Uh, I don't know how many people are going to go. Some people actually, I was up in the, the main stand Sunday. A couple of people considering going to the UEFA uh, Youth League match in Holland now, on the Wednesday. It depends, right? Because what time is that at? Kickoff. It depends on the kickoff, right? Because Early evening, 5 30 or something. On, that's it. So that yeah. game is over by 7. You're home at 10. You still have the whole night ahead, really. But it's a, three, it's mm. a six hour round trip. Prof, if you know, you know. The night before the game, that's when the crack kicks yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So that that'd be like a low countries double header, Holland to Belgium. Yeah. Uh, if you fancy it, you'd be a bit mad to. But um, that's about it, Gary. Yeah. Do you have any Flemish for us? Flemish? No, definitely not. I don't want to mess up your your lair. <laughs> no, not this time around. A uh, hundred anniversary Robbers League membership on Friday the sixteenth. And um, what do you know? What well, I'm gonna leave it on this note is what do you know? What I cannot wait for. I cannot wait for the. The, the people who've been there for Rovers through thick and thin going to this game is a thousand hoops going over more and for them to just look around and take it all in and just go look at us now yeah so they were fighting two nail to get like a training ground in the spa well running away from park rangers begging like robbing Peter to pay Paul just, just to get wages up and they're going to look at us playing in the conference league now and every everything just comes full circle it was worth it in the end so what I'm looking forward to most is the 90th minute. Everybody just looking around and we'll never die. Is getting sang by a thousand hoops. You can almost you can add to that though. Like we kind of we had that in 2011. That success came almost too fast. Yeah. This time, this is kind of for the younger generation as well. The likes who have only seen us been shit under Crowley and Fenlon. Yeah. Shite football. We had to work our way back up again. And we're finally back in the stage where we want to be. But I think it's a good thing as well for all these new fans who are growing up through this. This is going to have them totally, totally hooked. Because I think the issue with our hardcore years ago was that people kind of fell by the wayside because of what was going on. How shit it was. Martin Stadium. Trekking around Dublin for new stadiums and being homeless. Look at what they're growing up with. Conference League football. League wins. How can that not have you hooked at an early age? They're going to be going into this and just thinking, this is Rovers, this is what we do. And they'll get used to it. And they'll think, right, this is how you actually are a Rovers fan. You go abroad, you do all these things. I'm buzzing for this, I really am. But like I said, 90th minute, we'll never die getting signed by a thousand hoops. Mark my words, you'll listen back to this now and you'll say, it was a moment. Will that be the only thing being sung now? No comment on that one. <laughs> they, they, they like the Royals over here, don't they? They have a royal family themselves. But that is it for this week, Prof. I am like a kid at Christmas Eve here. I'm buzzing for it. I cannot wait. So we will see you in Brussels. We'll see you in Ghent. We'll see you 
in whatever section they have us in the away in the away ground, and we'll keep on hooping. See it. Across an empty dance floor, I walk to commend him, and also inquire if he had any Dowland. The incident passed, things got back to normal. Come the end of the evening, everyone staggered out singing. And they were singing. But then now when we be getting into politics, then like they say, oh we don't want the Queen over here, but yet they follow the Queen's football teams. It's actually a good point, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah.